Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Happy Friday, gang, and welcome to a packed edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Huss and Ream with you for the next couple hours plus. Marbles a little later on. And, uh, oh, man, we've got a lot to talk about. A huge win for the Winnipeg Jets last night in Denver, beating the first place Avalanche and moving to within two points of first place in the Central. We'll break that one down, and uh, here's some uh, great post-game reaction from the club coming up in just the next couple of minutes. Uh, and then we'll dive into uh, the last week plus and look ahead to the rest of the road trip with Kenny Weeb, who was just out swinging him with Dennis Bayak down in Arizona. Looking forward to having Ken join us coming up a little later on. And then the second half of the program, we will pivot to the story that is gripping anybody with a pulse that is connected at all to the Toronto Blue Jays or frankly just Canadian sports because the reports are coming in. J.P. Hornstra with Dodgers Nation reporting that the choice is in and Shohei Otani is signing with the Toronto Blue Jays. There's a plane in the air. I'm sure we'll have some fun with the flight tracker, uh, but there you have it. Otani to sign with Toronto Blue Jays over Los Angeles Dodgers. And these are sources coming from the Dodgers right now. So this could be a historic day with the biggest signing in Canadian sports history, period. And I don't really think it's even close. Um, so we've got to get Feinberg on. And to think that John Rahm officially went to live yesterday, and we might not even touch on that, just tells you how big of a story this is for Toronto, the Blue Jays, and really Canada uh, overall. Uh, and then, of course, it's Hacksaw time. Uh, we've got lots to talk about in the National Football League and uh, Hacksaw down in Southern California. He'll be all over this story as well. Cannot wait to hear how this is going over with these reports coming out now down in Southern California. So Jets, Otani, a little NFL. Buckle up. It's going to be a heck of a fun one. And, of course, we'll finish it off with a marble race later on today on WST. Just before we bring in Michael Remus, um, shout out to everyone that popped by Boston Pizza last night to uh, hang out with the Illegal Curve crew. Remus and I popped in. Great to see everyone. Great couple days. And uh, as they say, the vibes are high coming off that big win last night. But shout out to Boston Pizza, uh, Royal Sports, the Winnipeg Jets, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Nick and Nikki DQ Group, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, and our friends at Modern Man Barbershop, and plenty of options for today's Why Not Question of the Day. Vernon Autocorp over at Waverly and McGillivray. Remus, get in here. <laughs> we got lots to talk about. Yeah. Oh, man. A big Jets win last night, but everyone uh, in our chat about these Shohei Otani uh, rumors, J.P. Hornstra of DodgersNation.com, I believe he used to do the L.A. Times. I remember he was a guest uh, back in the H&L days talking L.A. Kings. So uh, he's a reputable Big J journalist, and we had the link up. And I did see some of the Sportsnet guys saying, whoa, 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 the deal's not done. It does bring back some memories uh, before uh, of previous uh, you know, big deals being done uh, and reported on. But, hey, uh, we're pumped here Friday. We'll see the news as it comes in. We're tracking, you know, this flight, this private jet from Anaheim to Toronto. Yeah, let's get the. Do you have the flight tracker okay. there? 
Okay, this has been tweeted out. Shout out to uh, BA Split listener who, uh, longtime listener of you who sent this over. Where <laughs> this is what we're doing here, the flight tracker. Uh, it says landing in two hours and thirty minutes from Santa Ana, California, to Toronto. It's supposed to take off at nine uh, Central Time. Um, sorry, sorry, nine Pacific, and then got delayed to nine forty Pacific. And there it is. It's over whatever state. The guy get mixed up in in the states, but it's over there. So uh, they're right now. I think what state that is that? Is in what is that? Nevada, Utah. I don't know. That I think is Kansas. Kansas, he's over Kansas right now. Kansas City is right there where uh, um, Missouri and Kansas meet. He did a quick stop over Nevada. Wait a second, that's Nevada, New Mexico, Arizona. Well, we'll we'll fail geography right here. I can't pick all of these states right now. What's important is the cargo on that plane. And of course, there was a report earlier today. That my guy, Yusei Kikuchi, has rented out a restaurant for a gathering tonight of around 50 people close to the Rogers Center. And it was interesting to me that Kikuchi is even in Toronto right now, Reem, to be perfectly honest. Um, and I know you know I'm a big Kikuchi guy. Follow his lovely wife on Twitter, who does lots of interesting Instagram lives and whatnot. There was speculation that this was a surprise party or a birthday party for her. No, Rumi's born on June 24th. So it is not a birthday party for Yusei Kikuchi's wife. And I think as time goes by, more and more looks like this is going to be a celebration welcoming Shohei Otani north of the border as the biggest fish in baseball free agency history um, and what could be a franchise-defining and changing moment for the Toronto Blue Jays. So Feinberg coming up a little later on. He's got some interesting insider information um, as well on what's going on at Blue Jays HQ today. So uh, buckle up for that. We'll stay on top of it. There's more reports that come out over the course of the next little while. We will certainly get to it. But um, let's not bury the lead for Winnipeg sports fans right now, Remo. A big, big win last night. I saw Ezzy in the chat thanking everyone that came out. Man, that was a lot of fun to... uh, you know, back to back it with a great night at Little Brown Jug and uh, many familiar faces down watching the game last night at BP as the IC guys did their thing and the Winnipeg Jets did their thing. 4-2 in Denver against the first place Avalanche. A great team win. Connor Hellebuck was great. Um, pretty much all the lines contributing, although a very um, slow night for the Cole Perfetti line. And Rick Bonus talked about that afterwards, but... Man, when you're getting plays like Axel Janssen, Fialbi going all out to set up Adam Lowry late in the first period, Kyle Connor scoring that beauty early on, which started off with a brilliant play by Josh Morrissey, who had a monster game. Morrissey scoring as well, and Connor Hellebuck being his usual brilliant self. This team's capable of beating a lot of teams, including the likes of the Avalanche on the road. Yeah, what a win. Um, That was a convincing uh, win for the Jets and the contributions up and down the lineup. Penalty kill, which has hadn't been great this season, came up huge, killing a big five on three, going a perfect four for four. Um, absolutely, uh, absolutely in, incredible uh, work from them. And yeah, Connor Hellbuck uh, standing on his head. And, you know, kind of felt things were breaking the right way at the end of the first period when it was like two seconds left. Axel dumps it in. Goes for a four check. 
And uh, like, it was just a great play with his stick to knock the puck down and get it back and quickly give it to Adam Lowry, um, who wired it home. And, you know, usually it's like I have memories of uh, those type of goals being scored against uh, the Jets, us, those back-breaking goals, just when you think you're going to get out of a period, uh, the other team scores. And that was a big uh, momentum changer. And then what, Kyle Connor with, what, the fadeaway snipe? After Mark that's Shifley, a good way, that's a good way of describing yeah, it. Yeah, Mark Shifley, what channel, channeling his Mario Lemieux from the uh, Salt Lake City, just putting his stick there, but letting the puck go. Maybe not the same play, but uh, it reminded me, reminded me of that, letting it go to Ehlers to Connor. So uh, you got some contributions from the big guns, but also that fourth line. I mean, look at I don't go to the buffet here. Look at the minutes, Axel, eleven minutes, eleven seconds. Don't see that too often. David Gustafson. Now you and Ken probably going to be talking about, about the Gus bus, uh, 1303. The Gus bus will certainly be recognized. Yeah. I mean, Gus played more minutes than uh, Gabe Velarde and Aya Fowles. You mentioned uh, like the Jets, this Jets team. You know, we've been calling the Lowry line the third line, but I don't know. Does this team, I think this team's got a top line and then the rest, at least last night they did. I don't think there's any doubt that the Lowry line is number two for the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, they get the toughest matchups. They will always play a lot. And then you you mix in a little bit of offense, which they have had, you know, quite often, frankly, throughout this first, what, 25, 26 games of the season. I mean, they really can be uh, impactful. I mean, three lines were really rolling. As Rick Bonus, and we'll hear from Bones in a minute, um, said Cole's line was pretty much in their own end all night. And that was a bit of a concern, but... Listen, not always do you have, you know, each and every one of your lines um, having that sort of success, especially against a team like Colorado. So a number of other guys stepped up. Josh Morrissey, maybe his best game of the season. Certainly, I, I think what he was on for all four goals again, uh, for, for goals four, not on for any of them against a goal and an assist. He ends up scoring the winner. Um, he was absolutely brilliant last night. But yeah, I mean, the ice time really well distributed for throughout the lineup. The, uh, the, the, the forward with the most ice time was Kyle Connor at 2010. Mark Shifley, just under 18 minutes. Um, Nikolai Ehlers, just under 16 minutes. But then you look at Appleton, 1630. Morgan Barron, 1213. Um, Gus was 13. Ayafalo was 10 for the lowest of uh, any of the forwards. Axel was 11-11, Lowry 15, Niederreiter 14, Perfetti 12-39. I mean, this was, uh, th- that's a team that's basically rolling four lines. Um, and Rick Bonus was uh, was very, very pleased after the game on the performance of just about everyone and mentioned what I, like we've talked before about the Winnipeg Jets going up against some teams in Vegas this year and in Dallas, 0-4 head-to-head against those two teams. They played them very well at 5-on-5. Five Special teams had often been a bit of an issue. Last night, to me, Remo, the special teams was the difference for the Winnipeg Jets in the PK, and especially that five-on-three kill for about 45 seconds. I think undoubtedly the biggest part mm-hmm. of the game. It's kind of funny. You think about uh, you know Jets' other games against teams ahead of them in the standings, and you think of the Dallas game where it was the Jets who had uh, not one but two five-on-threes, and they couldn't capitalize. And uh, well, well done by the Jets last night stopping Colorado on their own uh, on their five on three. So the penalty kill uh, took some, you know, took some lumps, I think early in the season, but 
Uh, Hellebuck, he seems to be on a roll here, finding his groove. 32 of 34. Nice 9-4-1. Save percentage, penalty kill going well. I mean, the power play, uh, the power play didn't score. They went, I mean, 0 for 1, but um, hey, three even strength goals plus an empty netter. Uh, nice, tidy uh, start to the road trip there for the Winnipeg Jets, where you having you know two pretty winnable games uh, against San Jose and Anaheim and L.A., who's been very good. Uh, that's another one on this road trip. But great start, nice performance last night for the Jets, and uh, seemed to be rolling. Now, there were concerns what they hadn't scored you know, more than two in a bunch, uh, but there they were. A break breakout performance uh, for the offense, all on even strength. Yeah, I mean, listen, just a great win. And before we go to the locker room afterwards and hear from Bones and a couple of the other players, let's just take a quick look at what's going on at the top of the Central uh, the Central Division. The Colorado Avalanche are still in first place with 34 points, but have played 26 games. The Dallas Stars beat the Caps last night, so they stay one point ahead of the Winnipeg Jets. They've got 33 points in 25 games, and they're the Jets. Now winners of three straight after that three-game losing streak. Jets 32 points in 25 games, one back of Dallas, two back of Colorado, going into Anaheim on Sunday night, then San Jose, and then L.A. to finish off this road trip with three and four beginning on Sunday. What a difference a week makes, Reem, because it was a week ago we were coming off the sort of stunning turnaround late in the third period where Edmonton came back to beat the Winnipeg Jets. Talking about the first three-game losing streak of the season. Well, one week later, another three-game winning streak, and the Jets are right back knocking on the door of Dallas and Colorado at the top of the division. It is kind of funny, yeah. Like last week, we're like, oh, no, uh, the Jets, what they lost to Dallas, uh, you know, wasn't going so well for them. But uh, here they are, uh, you know, following up a three-game losing streak with a three-game winning streak, and definitely chances to extend uh, that winning streak here as you play Anaheim on Sunday, then San Jose. We'll see how the goalies uh, stack up for that. But yeah, what was the end of November? Lost to Nashville, lost to Dallas, and that heartbreaking loss to <laughs> to Edmonton. We were all there for a WST night at Canada Life Center. But again. Three in a row, uh, teams looking strong, 640 win percentage, plus 13 goal differential. Uh, we know this team is pretty good, um, lots to like, but as we enter January, we're going to see how they can, if they can maintain this level of play for the second half because uh, we're starting to get, fly, you know, as the calendar changes, we're starting to get flashbacks to last Jan- January, and I know they're different teams, but hard not to uh, have similar questions like that, Huss. Yeah, no kidding. Um, you know, there. Listen, it, those questions will still be out there. Um, you know, once the team gets to that point and you know goes through, and there's going to be more down weeks than you know there'll be up weeks. But I think we've seen that this is a very different team. Connor Hellebuck was asked by Mike McIntyre about you know a couple things that had happened in the past, and he was like, "What? But last season, seasons ago? Like, hey, I'm talking about the now, and they are all in on the present right now." And feeling it in a good spot. Um, listen, I, I know Logan Stanley's a polarizing player and like he did end up on the wrong end of the highlight reel, although I'm not too sure how many defense in the NHL would not have been in a situation when you're basically standing still and all of a sudden Nate McKinnon is coming in full blast. I mean, that was a big, big goal for Colorado to get them back into the game. 
But overall, um, a pretty darn strong game for Big Stan, who um, I have to say has taken advantage of this opportunity to get back into the lineup and sort of remind the coaching staff or show the coaching staff, maybe he hadn't done that as much in the past, that he can be an option for this club. And, man, we always talked about, you know, having that sort of level of competition on a roster and what, in a good bit of best-case scenario, it brings out. Uh, I think Declan Chisholm's been very good. Nate Schmidt's been strong this season. Stanley making a stake right now. And then, of course, Billy Hanel. So we'll talk about that defense situation with Ken when he comes on coming up in about 10 or 15 minutes. But uh, let's get to the room afterwards. We'll start off with head coach Rick Bonus. Uh, Bones pretty happy about the uh, performance of his club. Here's the uh, head coach on uh, last night's win in Denver. Yeah, that was a great effort. It really was. Uh, from uh, Our penalty killers did a huge job for us in the third period. When we needed the big save from Helly, we got it. But uh, Mark's, Mark's line is playing fantastic. Adam's line did a great job. Our fourth line did a fantastic job today. They had a few more minutes because they deserved them. They were out there, and you saw the great play uh, Axel made on, their, on our first goal. So it was a great effort. Uh, it's a great hockey team over there. But, you know, if we want to, and then we talked about it this morning, we want to be concerned that an elite team you got to beat the teams ahead of you uh, and we, we proved tonight that we can be uh, we can play with anybody you know that was uh, something that we heard from Adam Lowry and Connor Hellebuck afterwards and certainly right from the coach um, that was uh, we were talking yesterday do we get the litmus test out is it a measuring stick game it was all of the above and you know they hadn't fared well against Vegas or Dallas at, up till this point but overall had earned the points and put themselves in a good spot that was um, one of the biggest tests they'll have of the season to go into Denver against an avalanche team with McCarr back and McKinnon back, and they got the win. And uh, listen, uh, it, we mentioned that, you know, Bones did say that, you know, the one line that didn't have a lot of success last night was uh, Perfetti, Velarde, and I follow, and that showed a little bit with the ice time. Uh, but that fourth line was playing so well. Axel, we mentioned that huge play to set up Adam Lowry right at the end of the first period. Um, but they were out there in the third period, and they deserved to be. Here's what Bones had to say about the fourth line. Yeah, I had them out there because they deserved to be out there. And they were like they had a solid first period. And, yeah, it was too bad we got caught on the icing. But uh, Gaia beat a huge face-off, a great change. That's how you want to change when you're, you win that draw. You get it out, it's a good change. But we wanted to put a lot of pressure on their D, and Axel got up ice in a hurry. He had a great stick and uh, obviously forced the turnover. So that line deserved the minutes they got tonight. All right, so uh, Bones with uh, some real praise for Morgan Barron, the Gus Bus, and Axel Janssen Fialbi. One more from Bones on the play of Logan Stanley, who, as I mentioned, you know, had one of his best games, certainly a first period. He looked as good as he has maybe at any point. Um, did get burned by McKinnon, but uh, here's what the head coach had to say about the big guy on the back end. Logan had a really solid game. Listen, he was at the end of a shift, and all of a sudden he got Nate McKinnon coming 100 miles an hour. He's going to do that to any defenseman in this league. So it's not Logan Stanley. It's any defenseman in this league would have got, got flat-footed. He's an elite player with elite speed, and he took advantage of it. So um, good, good on him. He made a great play. All right, so there's Bones. Pretty pleased with the squad after a, a big win in Denver last night, and I'm sure they're down now somewhere in Anaheim, uh, a little bit of a day off, probably get a little bit of practice tomorrow, and then get ready for three big games 
in four nights, beginning with Sunday night's tilt at the Duck Pond against the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, Connor Hellebuck is rolling right now. Uh, He's making saves. His numbers continue to improve game after game. And uh, it seems like uh, the Jets' Vezina Trophy winning goaltender is having a lot of fun right now playing behind this group. I think right now hockey's fun. Um, Less practice, more games. The way we're playing, let's just keep it rolling and and less thinking and more just playing. Right. Um, What did you see tonight? I know they think they finished with 34 shots, but did you feel like you had a good look at the majority of them? Oh, definitely. I mean, we're playing phenomenal in front of me. Um, I I think the second one's goal interference. The guy comes through my skate, and I don't think I ever let that that goal in if the guy doesn't do that, but we might have taken down. I know I was pretty furious at the moment, but I thought we played pretty good other than that. All right, there's uh, there's Connor Hellebuck with the uber confidence uh, that he always exudes, but especially when this team is winning, and he mentioned how much fun it is being uh, a Winnipeg Jet right now. Huge part of the game, as we mentioned right off the top, the contributions of the penalty kill and uh, a massive five-on-three for about 40, 45 seconds the Jets were able to kill as well as the rest of the second two-minute player. Here's what Helly had to say about the penalty kill last night. You know, we are battling hard. Guys in shot lanes, clearing rebounds, letting me see pucks. For the most part, our BK is where it's at just because a few bad bounces here and there. And, um, the, the difference in this league is so minuscule that uh, a couple of good games like that will be right back where we expected. All right, so uh, very pleased with the PK, uh, as was Rick Bonus after the game. Now, this was really interesting, uh, an exchange, and shout out to Mike McIntyre and the free press. I mean, so important to have one of our guys down there in the room afterwards getting this great content for fans and uh, people following the Winnipeg Jets. But, you know, Mike was asking about that position in the game. And let's face it, in the past, there's been some leads that have evaporated quickly against the Colorado Avalanche. And what is so interesting about this back and forth is how when things are going the way they are right now, I mean, they're not worrying about last year or the year before. It is about this team. The team is different this year. And um, they're building and focusing on the successes right now as opposed to issues they've had in the past. This is how it sounded last night. We've had times maybe in years past where you get a lead, the other team responds, and maybe the way you handle it hasn't been the way you'd like. What do you think it is about when that happens? Because twice tonight, two goals became one, but you guys seem to really weather it well, and you have weathered it well over this stretch. I don't know if I agree with we don't handle most of those games in well years, in like, previous years. Uh, what's not? Let's not talk about previous years. <laughs> Come on. Is that like the, this team matured? Rick talked this morning that maybe there's a maturity that's going on here with the way you guys can handle those situations. You know, I, I think you could speculate anything, really. Um, I like to, to think year by year, and um, this year is completely different than last year. Um, you know, I believe in, in the guys in here, and you know, it's hockey. Hockey's going to go back and forth. That's why fans come and watch. <laughs> you know, that's, that's exciting. That's, that's why we love to play. Safe to say you're comfortable in those tight, low-scoring games because you've had a lot of them lately. Oh, absolutely. I think that's what a good playoff team is made of. Uh, those are the games that you get yourself and do quite a bit if you're a contending team. Reem, this dude is just in the zone right now, both in the net and in front of the uh, the microphone. Like when Hellebuck's feeling it, he is the most fun guy to listen to. And, uh, you know, 
I mean, I can't say enough about the way he's bounced back from, you know, an unhellebuckian start. But it's not like we have to single him out as the reason why the Jets won last night. It was really a team win with so many contributions up and down the lineup. Yeah, I'm actually curious what like the team's record is when the fourth line gets over 10 minutes, or how often does that even happen? Because it seems rare. And you're looking at, you know, talking about Hellebuck's slow start, like you look at total goals saved above expected. Uh, Hellebuck now top 10 in the NHL. He's ninth. Uh, you look at his numbers on the season. What was it, like two weeks ago, his save percentage was below 900. Like his his numbers are looking like his numbers from last year. Uh, 9-1-4 save percentage last year was 9-20. And he's got a 2-4-7 goals against last year, 2-4-9. So Hellebuck on pace to get some, uh, I think, Vesna nominations or Vesna trophy votes when the season's all said and done. Uh, but he's looking very good. And uh, when Hellebuck's on, uh, the Jets can certainly beat anyone, especially yeah. if their forwards are you're getting you know, four lines of contribution and uh, like they did last night. Well, not to bury Horowitz myself too much, but I do believe it was November 13th that uh, Connor Hellebuck was, went into the game, or November 14th, I guess, against the Jersey Devils with like an 897 save percentage. And I said that this would be the last time we see his save percentage start with an 8 at any point this season. And then you look at the run um, you know, that he's been on since then and the team overall – um, they started that five-game winning streak. They lost three in a row, but again, it wasn't like they were giving up a ton of goals. And now right back on another three-game heater heading into Anaheim. There was a big milestone for Hellebuck last night, 250 career wins, all as a Winnipeg Jet. He had a quick comment on that as well. Uh, well, I mean, that's that's awesome and everything. Um, I think... I think 300 is the milestone that they have written in. That's kind of a big deal. And 40 shutouts and 500 games played. So I think those will mean a little bit more than most. But yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> All-time hell of a quote. Oh, 250. Nice. Well, you know, it's this, this, and this. I'm looking forward to those even more. I mean, <laughs> you got to love it. Yeah, I was looking up the uh, all-time goalie win leaders. Like, I don't know. Like I'm maybe I'm not a big enough goalie guy to be like, oh yeah, 500 starts, 300 wins. Those are the miles of 40. Just rattled off those numbers. I wonder if he knew it was 250. If you get up to 300, you are in the top 40 all-time wins. A couple guys, Braden Holtby, Mike Smith, at 299. Uh, so like 250. I mean, it's still in terms of all-time numbers. Has that's 64th uh, all-time. Uh, next up is Frank Brimzik at uh, 252, Devin Dubnik 253, and Hall of Famer Ken Dryden at 258. Probably, wow. I mean, look at these guys he's passing. Uh, Corey Crawford, 260, J.S. Jaguar, Felix Potvin, they're all in the 260s. So uh, You mentioned this, and I'm just yeah. sitting here thinking about yeah. Hellebuck, who's got a seven-year extension starting yes. next year. Like, wh where might he be? And again, that's another conversation entirely. Where might he be if he plays out that entire run here in Winnipeg? I mean, we will be talking about one of the great careers. Certainly, I mean, I don't think there's anybody close right now with uh, you know with the Winnipeg Jets in its NHL history. Um, 
But uh, listen, a huge part of this game, and uh, as I say, uh, in very good spirits afterwards. Listen, Ken's going to come up in just a second. Uh, quickly, let's just get a couple clips here from Adam Lowry. He had that beautiful snipe at the end of the first period on a play made happen by David Gustafson originally, and then Axel Janssen Fialbi. Lowry on the importance of uh, getting that big goal and scoring first. I, I, I think that's huge. I, th- I thought the fourth line was great all night. Um... They were in on the forecheck, got a, a bunch of bunch of chances, and you know it, it's one of those things. You're on the road, you ice the puck, they get a good matchup, but you know Gus bears down, he wins that draw. We, we battle the puck out, and you know there's 10 seconds left. Axe gets in on the forecheck, creates a turnover, and you know I, I thought we had played a really solid period, but to, to come in up one nothing, you know it, uh, it's a different feeling than you know you battle hard and you're not rewarded. So. You know, I, I think you look at that, and then the start of the second period, KC comes out and scores. I think it was 32 seconds in, and you know, before we know it, in the span of under 40 seconds, we're up two nothing. You know, kind of have started to take over the game. So, um, yeah, it was a great contribution from them. I thought, you know, not only that play, but throughout the night, they they had a really good night. Big time game from the captain last night. Here's one more from Lowry on. Uh, you know what getting that road win over Colorado says about the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, you know it's huge. I think we always talk about trying to be an elite team. We want to be considered one of the best in the conference, one of the best in the division. And you know, I think as we've come up through this year, you know, our two games against Dallas, our two games against Vegas, our game against LA and the Rangers. You know, we've come up short, and we talked about if you want to be in that conversation, you got to beat those elite teams. And um, you know, I thought we did a really good job. They, they obviously had some chances. They had some good zone time, and you know, you, you play against some of the world's best players. That's going to happen. But you know, I, I thought we, we did a really good job of managing pucks coming through the neutral zone. You know, real close support and generated a lot, a lot off the cycle. Some really good sustained zone time for you know for our group. So, you know, I, I think, like you said, it, it starts a road trip off. Well, we've got a couple days to recover here and get ready for Anaheim. All right, so there's Adam Lowry. We're going to uh, chop it up with Ken in just a minute from uh, the uh, the KNR office south of the border. Uh, little Otani update: uh, Alden Gonzalez reporting, pump the brakes. Nothing is done yet. And I know some folks from Sportsnet as well saying just cool it, but uh, the signs remain very positive for the Toronto Blue Jays and uh, reports out of LA. Uh, that the deal is done. We will wait and see. Um, hey, just before we get to Weber, um, hey, the weekend is here. The holidays are here. And our friends at Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club, have a CC for every occasion, whether it's holiday gathering or gift giving. You are covered with Canadian Club. Great sales on CC all month long at Manitoba Liquor Marts including original 100% rye and the CC Classic 12-year-old. And there's still quantity of the limited release 15 year old canadian club sherry cask still available from the canadian club invitation series it's the signature cc classic 12 year old whiskey finished with a secondary aging in oloroso sherry casks all the hallmarks of classic canadian club with the added richness and sweetness of sherry 79.99 wall supplies last on that and you still might be able to find a bottle of the CC Chronicles 45-year-old for an extra special gift for that whiskey enthusiast in the family. Um, uh, Got to give a big shout-out to the gang at Manitoba Battery for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. I know it's been gorgeous this week. 
We know that is coming to an end at some point soon. Get ready for winter and make sure your car or truck is ready to get through it as well with a battery from Manitoba Battery. If you have battery needs, you will get the best prices in town, period. Beating the pants off the big box stores and shopping local at the same time at Manitoba Battery. The best part about it is they'll deliver it to you for free anywhere inside the perimeter with any purchase over 60 bucks. It's just that easy. Get to manitobabattery.com to order. Give Donnie and the gang a call at 204-783-8787, and they'll take you through and uh, make your order and get it out to you. Or if you do want a free battery test to see how you're looking for winter or just pop in and see them in person, 1026 Logan Avenue for the gang at Manitoba Battery. Um, Aquatech, busy right now getting ready for 2024. And a very novel gift for maybe you and your family would be the gift of home improvement. Whole home renovations start with Aquatech. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, Aquatech can upgrade any space in your home. If you're ready to enhance your kitchen, bathroom, or even add a man cave to your home, visit aqua-tech.ca to learn more about their whole home renovations, including financing options. And again, a big shout out to the gang at Modern Man Barbershops. Had such a great November doing our uh, Movember um, drive with them. And again, great success. Thanks to everyone that's helped out with that. Uh, and right now, they'll help you out with looking good for the holidays. Shout out to Cordell and Jess, who took good care of me earlier this week at Modern Man Pamina. Uh, listen, there's eight locations in Winnipeg, somewhere close to you. Uh, and they've got you covered, guys, with haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Make an appointment and book your look via modernmanbarber.com. All right. Feinberg coming up from T.O. a little later on. We'll talk Otani Watch and a little bit of uh, John Rahm moving to live. Hacksaw up as well. Marbles. But coming off that big win against the Avs last night, we're going to stay with the Jets and welcome in Ken Weeb of the Winnipeg Free Press to WST. Today he joins us from one of the many K&R facilities south of the border. What uh, What's going on? How, how, how's your time been uh, been down there? Uh, uh, it's great to be with you on this uh, glorious Friday. Uh, it's been tremendous. I know it's been an awesome weather week for our, our folks in Manitoba, and I'm happy to see that. But, yeah, in Maricopa this week, been doing a little bit of golf, uh, caught up with uh, with a legend, uh, Dennis Bayak. Had a great week with Dennis. Uh, Dennis and Bev got out and golfed with Dennis uh, twice. Uh, got out in the same course with him three times. Had him down for dinner here at the how in-laws. How are the so, Everyone will want to know, how is our pal Dennis doing? And, of course, his lovely yeah, buddy. Uh, they are doing tremendous. Uh, Dennis gearing up for the farewell tour. He, uh, there's Bev right there uh, over at Southern Dunes Golf Club. Really fantastic day we had over there. Dennis gearing polos, up for the... Please uh... pull those quickly. Just <laughs> Dennis rocking the Jets alumni uh, one. and that You're up buying that one at uh, Jets gear at Royal Sports. And Ken trying to not seem underdressed, rocking the green <laughs> Masters polo. And again... You're not buying that one online either. Uh, team Titleist rocking that one too. But yeah, Dennis, uh, they're doing awesome. Uh, they just got down here in November, so they're having a great time. Dennis getting ready for the World Junior Huss. It is the official farewell tour. We know he uh, uh, hung up the mic mostly uh, off the Jets broadcast, but had been doing a couple world championships. This will be the the finale, the final calls. Uh, in a legendary career, and uh, I was just thrilled to be able to spend some time with Dennis, who, as you know, Huss, uh, not only a mentor to me and many in this market, but uh, just became a great friend over those uh, 
12 seasons, uh, 11 seasons for him on the mic of the Winnipeg Jets since they returned. And yeah, just a tremendous uh, stretch here. Huss, obviously watching very closely. We had a lot of uh, activity on the ice this week as well. Uh, Mike McIntyre handling uh, the bulk of it and uh, Josh Frey-Sam kicking in with a nice shift there and doing a story on the defenseman as we got an update on the Villy watch. Us. So, yeah, no, it's been an interesting week. We know the Jets had a couple of uh, a couple more big wins on the docket for them, including the one in Colorado. But, yeah, really uh, refreshing week, Huss. Uh, it's part of – it's interesting. I mean, it hadn't been part of a two-man beat in a while back to the athletic days. So, uh, when you're on a two-man beat and a, uh, and a contract extension is signed when you've just finished the first hole – uh, it's nice to not have to uh, get in the cart, drive to the car, and crack open the laptop. Uh, this way, Mike was able to handle everything on Monday. Um, I got a couple quick tweets out, and then it was back to the uh, glorious round at Longbow. So, uh, yeah, beautiful. And, and thank you to Mike for that. Uh, special thank you. I know you've had him on, but uh, definitely appreciating his uh, teamwork and team uh, team team skills oh, this yeah. week, that's well, for sure. Listen, I'm sure you had to drag him kicking and screaming to get on the plane to go down to Anaheim, San Jose, and L.A. in the middle of December. Exactly. Uh, the gorgeous exactly. weather here notwithstanding. Yeah. Um, you were, uh, it has been glorious here, but um, hey, listen, it, it's been a huge week. Uh, I want to really focus in on the game and the rest of this yep. road trip, but uh, you mentioned Nino's extension. I mean, uh, quickly, I mean, just thoughts on – it seems to be – such a win for the Jets. Obviously, Nino wanted to stay here, and he got his deal. But, man, that three-year term seems to just fit perfectly with where the roster projects young players coming in over the course of those next three seasons. Yeah, no doubt, Huss. And, uh, you know, just such a great mentor. I mean, we know Adam Lowry is going to be around as well. But Nino Niederreiter, just a, you know, a chameleon, a guy that just fits in wherever you put him. And, and just such a hard worker. I mean, I, I love this quote he had uh, to Mike McIntyre in the summer months when he said, I have to earn my next contract. Like, here's a seven-time 20-goal scorer. Like, if you had a guy that walked into the interview and said, want to have a look at my resume? Here it is. That would be Nino Niederreiter. But that's not his style, Huss, right? I mean, and that's the beauty of him as a player. Um, He's really evolving and, you know, becoming more, you know, he's always been a physical guy, but I really loved what he's done with that uh, third line. Uh, with Adam, uh, we shouldn't even call it the third line because they have the second most ice time most nights at five on five. But man, that line's been fantastic. He's such a good leader, Huss. And as you mentioned, both both the term and the dollar value, right? The AAV, I mean, if, if people want to look at historical context, I mean, this is similar to the Matty Perot contract, Huss. And by the end of the contract, Matthew Perot is playing on the fourth line a lot and still contributing there. But at $4 million in the cap rising, that number's not going to be a drag on the salary cap, especially as you mentioned, when guys like Rutger McGroarty, Colby Barlow, uh, maybe Nikita Chibrikov, Brad Lambert, maybe Chaz Lucius, when, when, you know, let's say two to four of those guys are coming in and maybe by the end of the contract, all five are here, who knows? But yeah, it's just a great, great fit for both sides. He's fit so well here. And I mean, he's a guy, he has bounced around a bit. That's a fact. Always not because he wore it as welcome at any of those spots. Us. This is a guy who is a popular teammate. He's an incredibly hard worker and ultimately gets the job done. So a uh, great piece of business for the Winnipeg Jets and also for Niederreiter. Huss, it reminds me of the Paul Stastny scenario where Paul came to Winnipeg after the trade from St. Louis. Many thought he'd have to take a haircut and he got a raise. Now Nino keeps his AAV but he gets a three-year term when it starts at 32. So I mean this is win-win all around and hey if by the end of it, Nino Niederreiter is on the Jets' fourth line, Huss, guess what that means? 
The Jets have a pretty damn good fourth line. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we were, you know, it's so funny how things can change in a week. Yeah. Like two weeks ago on the weekend, the Jets were tied with Dallas and Colorado in first place. Um, you know, you, you, you come home, you've got a couple of really tough games. You lose to Dallas. Uh, that Edmonton game was a heartbreaker the way it went. And our conversation last week at this very same time yeah. was, okay, well, they got Chicago in here. You just got to start it off. Fast forward to today. Loren Brassois with his best performance of the season on Monday night with a massive game for himself personally and the team. And then arguably the biggest win of the year going toe-to-toe against one of those top teams that the Winnipeg Jets know they have to beat if they want to be considered in the class of those top teams in the Central Division. And uh, man, a lot to chew on from uh, just a massive 4-2 victory last night in Denver. Yeah, no doubt, Huss. Just starting with Brassois, I mean, this, I know that we went kind of back and forth on this and why it was important for him to start in Nashville. Huss, I, I don't think the start on Monday against Carolina happens if he doesn't play against Nashville. So again, I don't want to lean on that too much, but I think that outside of the muffin that he let in, he was pretty good in that game and it helped him allow that to kind of carry over into a really important game against, yeah, we know now the Hurricanes are scuffling. I mean, they lost had a really tough week, but he played great in that game. He really stabilized the Jets when they were trying to find their legs. We know they're a high-volume team and everything else, but that was an important w- victory for him. He's going to get in, I think, on this road trip. Whether I'm super curious, us if they're going to do the uh, reversal of fortune or not, right? You have the you, know, the you have the San Jose, L.A. back-to-back here. Do you consider flipping them? Do you, you know, try to make sure that you... I think bank, he plays bank. against the Kings, to be you honest. Do? Okay. Uh, well, I, I mean, listen, they have pretty much always gone with the Hellebuck yep. in the first game, LB in the second game. And, and the only reason I think you would change that was if you were concerned about, you know, one team is much better than the other, at least on paper. That being said, the Sharks have been winning games lately. <laughs> yep. They've taken a, lot of, uh, taken a lot of numbers. But I have to say, coming out of that game against a strong team like Carolina – I think LB said and made a statement that I'll be good. Don't worry about who we're yep. playing um, to go in. So if, if anything, I think the confidence that if, if they were wavering at all as to how much they could count on LB, he made a statement on Monday night. And I have a feeling they probably go as they have in the past with Hellebuck against the Ducks and Sharks. And then that final game, LB have a chance to go in or be a real difference maker to finish off a road trip in a winning note. Yeah, Huss, I mean, for me, I, I follow the logic just fine, and, I, and I'm, I'm not saying I disagree, but just based on what Rick and all the players have been saying, if you're you're talking about beating elite teams, and even with Brassois playing so great, I could easily see them wanting to go Hellebuck uh, Wednesday against the uh, the Kings. And then also, you know, you also have the Avalanche coming right back in to start that next road trip, so... Um, you know, just let's just say the spider senses are tingling a little bit. Uh, certainly not not going to put it on the old lead pipe lock on the lock shop, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they do the flip flop here. But you're right. I mean, they don't normally do it, and that's you know, if the <laughs> past be best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. So uh, it won't surprise me if they go that way. But it also I have a little sneaky suspicion they may uh, go for the flip flop just because of what we've been talking about. The Jets have not been able to rack up many wins against those elite teams or division leaders. So I could see, and also with the spacing of the games, Huss, you got, you got a little bit of a break here. You know, if Hellbuck plays Tuesday in San Jose, then now you're not playing until Saturday again. So for me, I think they flip flop it, but um, like I said, it, it's more of a spider sense tingling than, than anything uh, 
that I know. Uh, maybe it's just the warm weather here. Maybe a little bit too much sun, sunshine. But uh, <laughs> I think that's how they may go. But, Huss, I mean, you talk about how well they played against the Avalanche. Boy, what an effort. And although Connor Hellbuck was excellent, he didn't have to be spectacular in terms of, you know, 10 bellers here every single shift. Obviously, Nathan McKinnon was an absolute force and a dynamo in that game. But the Jets did an awesome job in structure in terms of not allowing that kind of shooting gallery that we've seen in past games. Us, we've seen it a ton. Jets take a lead in the first. All of a sudden, they get blowtorched in the second. And that did not happen. And I think the most important thing for me of many things that happened in that game uh, the big stand. This was like a goal line stand for a PK that has been under siege this year. 47 seconds of two man advantage or disadvantage time against Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, and Miko Rantanen. I mean, we talked last week about how the Jets should, it should have been a gimme against the Oilers, having almost two minutes worth of five on three time with the Avalanche power play and all that weaponry. The fact that they were able to shut them down first on the 47 seconds and then on the back end of that kill was absolutely massive for a team that struggled shorthanded this year. Well, listen, okay, let's get right to it because I was kind of where I wanted to start with last night's game and speaking specifically to special teams in the PK. And Ken, you know, overall this season, as the Jets have consistently been a very, very good five-on-five team, it was somewhat uncharacteristic, but early on in the season, a little bit of a slower start in the first couple of weeks for Connor Hellebuck. But a PK that was top 10 last year was mired near the bottom. Um, and at times the power play had been up and down. And I mean, think back to some of these other games where they've been challenging the top teams in the league. The game earlier this year against Vegas in Winnipeg. I mean, that was a game where I think you could absolutely say that at five on five, the Jets were the better team. Well, both with the power play and the PK somewhat victimized them. They lose in regulation. The Dallas game back here a couple weeks ago, it wasn't necessarily the PK, but it was the fact that they did nothing in a very tight game with two five on threes. Um, and Rick bonus said that was the difference in the game. And you look at last night, I mean, killing off a five on three, going perfect on the penalty kill against an avalanche team that throws about as much at you as any team in the NHL. I mean, Connor Hellebuck's in a groove right now, but man, did the guys that are out there at four on five have a huge hand in that win. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you're blocking shots, getting in shot lanes, all of that. And apologies, nice, nice pick me up for you as the teammate. Sorry, I said, I think I said Oilers. I meant Stars, obviously, for that five on three oh, extended yeah. time. But uh, yeah, no, they, they did an excellent job. They're clears. We've been talking all year about the clears and being able to get it out of the zone, all of those things. And Huss, I wouldn't even say the penalty kill has been as bad as it looks as terms of the numbers. You know this. We've talked about this a ton. They've had tons of penalty killing situations where they kill off a minute 30, a minute 40, a minute 45, a minute 53, and then give up a late one. So it sort of is a bit of a deflator because you've been so good on the penalty kill at times, but then one breakdown happens and it's in the back of the net. That breakdown didn't happen. Uh, it was just excellent job all around. I think it was Lowry, Dylan, and Pionk, I want to say. Or maybe, no, sorry, DeMello. It was DeMello, Dylan, and Lowry at the st- front end of that uh, 47 seconds. They were just all over the place, sticks and lanes, doing an excellent job. And, yeah, I mean, just an impressive thing because it's an area we know the Jets want to get better at, need to get better at, and are determined to get better at. And, you know, no better way to do that than to get a, you know, kind of an energy boost like that one against the Avalanche who have all that high, high flying firepower. So important job, but yeah, I mean, you talk about Hellebuck, 
like it, uh, the classic Hellebuckian interview with the historical films. Somebody oh, wants I to talk it. about 250. He's like, yeah, you know, it's a nice number, but like, let's talk about 300 wins, 40 shutouts and 500 games. Okay. Why don't you come and get back to me when that <laughs> happens? Like, I appreciate the shout out, you know, a classic Hellebuck line too. the, you know, when he taught, when he, when he beat Barrasso for most wins by an American goaltender, can't wait to see the banner up there. Like just vintage Hellebuck. But this was like, so dismissive. He's like two fifty. Come back when we have 300, well, then I'll be happy to get into it. Speaking of Hellebuck after the game, uh, the other thing that cracked me up, but also I thought was, it told us something. Mike was asking him about, like, whatever, you know, sometimes you guys have gotten run over in this building by the team or they get momentum and it's been tough to start. And, and he was, like, incredulous. Like, well, what are you talking about? He's like, you know, in previous I don't years. Agree. And he like <laughs> that's like, well, last year, what are we talking about previous years before? And then sort of emphasized how this team is different right now. This yeah. is I mean, they're not worrying about the past, but they're trying to um take advantage of the opportunities right now and live for this season, this moment. And I, I have to say, I mean, I don't think anyone benefits from dwelling on things that have happened in the past, but you have to learn from them. And in some ways, I think right from management to the coaching staff to a lot of the veteran players that have been around there, they've sort of learned some lessons over the years, but it is all about the now and the present right now. And that was a perfect example of it last night, led by 37. Yeah, no doubt, Hudson. I mean, I would just say this in terms of like, I've got no problem at all with Connor Hellbuck having that approach, but you can be sure that Rick Bonus and the coaching staff is playing pretty darn close attention to what Mike was talking about because they're trying to avoid some of those pitfalls. I mean, there's some uh, deep-seated wounds that have been inflicted, uh, especially by the Avalanche in the last couple of years. And yeah, I mean, if the Jets want to get past that, guess what? Best way to change the narrative is to change the narrative <laughs> with with play on the ice. And the Jets are doing a great job on those fronts, Huss. Uh, they have done a great job of turning the page. It's a new season. Everybody knows it. Uh, the attitude is different. The demeanor is different. They're more comfortable in these sorts of situations. And, hey, I, I get it. There are still some skeptics out there, and those people are saying, well, hey, 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 now, uh, Jets were first place in, in the Central and the West in the middle of January, and it's only December 8th. So I get it. Like, there's a long road to the finish line here. There will be turbulence. There will be bumps. There will be bruises. But right now, the Jets are showing that they're playing a sustainable brand of hockey. Now, there are going to be injuries, there are going to be dry spells and everything else, but the way they've played five on five, that is their foundation, Huss, and that is a foundation that all all teams that want to go from good to great to elite, that's the foundation. And if they can get some of those other things going, Huss, to me it's hilarious. We're, let's say, four to six weeks away from you know, I'm not going to say goaltender crisis, but folks were having legitimate concerns about, you know, the Jets being a sub 900 save percentage for both guys and, you know, goals against in the threes and the fours. And guess what? Connor Hellbuck just threw together eight quality starts. He's looking as locked in as ever. And Lauren Brassois' numbers suddenly look like they were expected to look after one start. So um, it's it's trending in the right direction for them. I do think there's room for improvement. I know, I mean, one of the few things Rick, you know, 
there haven't been, let's just put it this way. There have not been many times in Jets history where three of four lines get shouted out by the head coach after the game. And one of them doesn't include what should be the second line. Right. So uh, that's something they're, they're still sort of looking for chemistry there. Uh, You know, we got the hybrid going with Perfetti and Velarde sort of shifting between center. We saw Nino jump up for two, three shifts up onto that second line. It resulted directly into a goal but then they went back to it the other way in the third, but more because they love what Nino Niederreiter has done with the Lowry line, and the Lowry line was playing a lot because Nathan McKinnon was up over the boards what seemed to be every second shift. So there is still some room for improvement, but that's natural for any team 25 games through the year. I don't see it as a problem. I think Velarde will continue to get better and better and better, and I think Perfetti will get comfortable. Now we expect Vladislav Nemestikov to be skating at some point, maybe on Saturday or Sunday, uh, but overall... They're doing a great job. And sorry, we've been talking for a long time. And I just think it's important that I mention the name Josh Morrissey uh, because we've gone too far in this in this conversation without mentioning how solid Josh has been. Uh, and this, for me, was a bit of a statement game for him. I don't think he would say it publicly uh, because he's more of a private kind of guy when it comes to motivation and the team is always first. But, you know, at a time where a lot of people around the league, I'm not saying I've forgotten about Josh Morrissey as being a candidate in the Norris Trophy discussion, he went head to head with one of his buddies who's got his name on that trophy that he wants to be on at one point and had a pretty darn impressive effort with a goal and an assist on for all four goals on for none against uh, just an impressive game by a guy who's having a great, great season on the back end. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more monster game from Morrissey and the play that he made to keep that puck in mm-hmm. rip it around that led to the Kyle Connor goal. It's an example of, uh, you know, the awareness execution, and then, of course, the uh, the shot to uh, put the Jets up with that goal later on, a huge part of it. You know who else we haven't talked about? And you, you'll get a kick out of this. So I, I popped by to see the IC gang and uh, everyone at BP last night at BP Taylor. Great time, by the way. Shout out to the IC crew. Um, so I got there a little late. If you've ever been at BP, they do like a pick-a-player contest where they've got all the Jets and you grab whatever player, and then if that guy scores... You uh, you know spin the wheel or win cactus cuts or wings or something like that. So I got to the table and the two goalies were there, um, pl- guys that weren't dressed, and there was one player left, and it was our guy, the Gus Bus. So I'm sitting there looking <laughs> at that, and my God, can he had three glorious yeah. chances last night. Now he didn't score, but he Axel Janssen Fialbi, what a game he had and a monster play for um, uh, for the Adam Lowry goal. Gus was everywhere. Um, we heard Rick Bonus very correctly, I think, sing the praises of that fourth line. And that's something we've kind of gone back to about the depth of this club. But you can't talk about that win and what a team win it is, I think, without talking about how effective those guys were. And to use Rick's point in his postgame scrum, how much they deserve to be out there in the third period. Yeah, no doubt about that, Huss. An impressive showing, and it's funny, a couple tweets uh, fired over my way last night. Uh, any room left on the Gus bus, right? <laughs> there, It's <laughs> gone from healthy scratch to being back. Uh, all aboard. Making, yeah, all aboard, choo-choo, exactly. A uh, couple one-timers, I thought he, I think he's been, the one thing we've talked about a lot since training camp, Huss, changed his train, training regimen a little bit. He's moving better out there. I mean, uh, the one thing, Gustin always had great hockey, uh, you know, hockey IQ, hockey sense, whatever term you want to use. But he, the pace is the one thing he had to get up and get going, and he's got his pace up. And, I mean, Axel Janssen-Fialbi, you want to talk about pace, Huss. I mean, 
getting down the ice and putting the pressure on Devon Taves, one of the best defensemen in the league. You know, in a normal scenario, Taves just wheels around the net and the period's over, like the curtains, right? I mean, there's nothing. There's no scoring chance. There's no nothing. But Gustafson wins the draw in the D zone, goes for the line change. Lowry comes on. Janssen Fialbi with, uh, you know, some incredible speed burst, a nice job of pressuring. And, you know, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, Taves thought someone was calling for a reverse, but it was just a bit of a brain cramp by Taves, but all created by the speed. Then a nice pass by Janssen Fialbi to find Lowry. Great finish. And, you know, there's a goal where in a period where the Jets really felt good about themselves, can feel even better because they kind of dropped the dagger on with 2.2 seconds to go. And then Kyle Connor scores in the opening 30, 32 seconds. And all of a sudden, you know, like I said, we mentioned Dennis Bayak earlier. The Jets had a bang-bang that was interrupted by an intermission. But all of a sudden, they're feeling great about their effort. And, yeah, the fourth line was awesome. I mean, there won't be many nights when the fourth line is at 12 or 13 minutes and, and they're right around, you know, some of the guys on that that second line. So, But that is more a testament to what the fourth line did, and they are deserving, Hus. And we've talked about this a ton. If the Jets want to be playing in May and June – they need their fourth line to be in double digits in minutes. Doesn't have to be every night, but it needs to be around 10. But you need to have the ability to play them 12 to 13 in a game where you really need them. And us, this wasn't a blowout game against the Chicago Blackhawks where they played 12 or 13 minutes. They won their battles against, yet yeah, fine. The Avalanche were missing a few players, no big deal. They won their matchups that they had, and that was an impressive thing to see for sure. And us, I mean, if we're going to talk about competition, competition's on on the back end as well. Well, let's get to that right off the bat. Listen, before we talk about the big scenario overall and get your thoughts on, um, you know, where this goes, specifically, let's talk about Logan Stanley. Um, Came in as part of seven defensemen on Monday, and it was somewhat surprising. You look afterwards, and he played played more than Sandberg, albeit by a second, but was out for, I think, about two and a half more minutes at even strength. In as one of only six defensemen on the weekend uh, in the game yesterday, and even some pretty strong critics of Logan Stanley early on after that first period said that might be the best period that we've seen from Stan. Now, listen, he did get victimized by Nate McKinnon. I'm not sure there's many defensemen in the NHL that aren't probably in the same spot, but I thought rebounded pretty well and again played significant minutes in that third period. I mean, just thoughts first off on what you've seen from Stan this week, but particularly last night in one of the biggest challenges you can get as a defenseman playing in that third pairing on the road, knowing that your coach doesn't have the last change. Yeah, Hassan, I'm just going to tell you something quickly. I mean, this is not neither to protect or bury Logan Stanley, but when I covered the Stanley Cup final with Sean uh, in 2022 involving the Avalanche and the Tampa Bay Lightning Nathan McKinnon made Victor Hedman stand still um, or look like he was pretty flat-footed on occasion as well. And this is not a comparison of Stanley to Victor Hedman. It's just a reminder that I'm going to tell you right now, when the rhinoceros is coming at you at full speed and you are standing still or flat-footed, it's like the Roadrunner. It's a beep-beep right past you. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're 5'8 or you're 6'7. McKinnon is going to be past you in a blink of an eye. And yeah, hey, that ends up on the highlight reel and all of the people are all of the, you know, uh, non Stanley people are pointing the finger and saying, hey, that's why you can't play in the NHL. And that's just not. And if that were the case, then he wouldn't have played after that. So Rick Bonus played him after that. Of course, nobody wants to end up on that highlight reel. But 
much like we talked about Dylan Sandberg last week, Huss, there were a couple things. There was an icing. There were a couple. There was a turnover on the Bedard goal. He, you're able to flush that, and if you can flush that, that shows a level of maturity that is required. Now, I'm not here to bang on the table and say Logan Stanley has won the sixth job. I don't think anyone's won the sixth job. And I also don't think that Nate Schmidt has played poorly in the battle for the sixth job. But right now, if they're taking somebody out, right now Nate is the odd man out. So uh, I think there's going to be, I'm not going to say rotation, but it's tough for all three of those guys that are in it. And Huss, soon there'll be a fourth, not soon, but relatively soon, there will be a fourth guy involved. So, I mean, I understand that, you know, one of my former colleagues, Bruce Garriock, has mentioned Logan Stanley as a possible trade candidate. Teams are kicking the tires. And, hey, here's the other thing. If you're one of the teams that's not a playoff team, of course you're going to have the ability to give a little bit more runway to a guy like Logan Stanley and find out what you have. I mean, the thing for the Jets, they're trying to be an elite team. So do they want to give them an extended run? Let's not forget, Huss. I mean, last year around this time, uh, before the first injury to Logan Stanley's ankle, we were wondering if Rick Bonus saw a little bit of Jamie Alexiak in Logan Stanley. He was in the opening night lineup. He was in the rotation until he got hurt, and then things kind of got derailed. So we we know that he has the, the you know some of the confidence in the coaching staff. But as Logan pointed out to Paul Edmonds in the pregame interview yesterday, this coaching staff is still kind of mostly getting to know Logan Stanley. So it's not on the job training, but it, it's still a little bit of a proving ground for him. You know, I didn't love the fact that Jets won 11 and 7 the other night because I, I thought it kind of penalized a guy in Declan Chisholm who was really good the game before. But at the same time, I understand it's not like he played great and had no mistakes and that you have to give him 15, 16 minutes. But I think they're in a tough spot in terms of trying to find enough minutes for all three of those guys for them to be effective and to show at their best. But Huss, what have we been talking about for three years? If the Jets are going to try to change their mix, Logan Stanley has the frame and the skill set in terms of being a guy that gets clears on the penalty kill that the Jets might be looking for when it comes to playoff hockey. Now, he needs to do it consistently. He needs to be a little bit more assertive and physical if he wants to grow into that. Let's kind of use the Ben Sherratt example. Like He's not nearly as physical as Sherratt, but you clear the front of the net. If you take care of your own end, if you are able to get exits at times, use your feet and use your stick to defend, well, that's a guy at 6'7 doing it and not a guy at 6 feet doing it. I'm not saying he's going to win the battle, but that is has, that has to be how Logan Stanley is approaching it. And again, in that interview with Paul Edmonds, he said, they pay me to kill penalties and be physical. So if you can do that on a regular basis, what were we talking about about Vegas all year last year, Huss? Big, strong, physical defense corps. So if you can, all the things we've been talking about, if the Jets are trying to get a defenseman, it's someone big and strong and can kill penalties, you know, right? So uh, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not saying he's going to win the battle, but he's definitely worked himself back into the battle. And Hus, after training camp, I wasn't sure that was going to be a possibility. No, I, and listen, I'm with you as well. And, you know, this is something we've talked about the last couple of days is, you know, the glut on the blue line. What happens when Vili comes back? And, and the more I think about it, Ken, like I don't think that they're going to be pushed into making a decision until they absolutely have to. Guys can get hurt. Guys can get up on the IR. I mean, there's lots of things that can happen before Vili Hanala gets back. And I really do think, like, uh, let's just say, and I would imagine that the market for Logan Stanley right now, you're probably looking at a mid-round pick. 
Like I think from Kevin Sheveldayoff's perspective, they would far rather have Stanley, even if he's not in the lineup, to be your seven, your eight guy, to be one of those guys that can go if you get to the playoffs because this team obviously thinks that they can make some noise in the playoffs, and we all know, we've heard it from the guys in management for years, you need 10 deep if you want to go on a long Stanley Cup playoff run. And listen, the Jets obviously would love to get a big-time impact player in the top four, preferably on the right side, but I don't think that they're going to be in a hurry to move any of these guys unless all of a sudden you're sitting there with nine healthy defensemen and the situation begats making some sort of a move. Yeah, no, I heard you during the week with a couple guys, including Scotty. So I certainly know where you're coming from, Huss. They're not, they're not, if they wanted to give him away for a draft, a low, a high draft pick, they would have done it <laughs> either last year at the deadline or at the draft or whatever. So I, I think, let's put it this way I think one of the Jets' biggest fears is that Logan Stanley figures it out somewhere else. And yeah, I get it. There's a lot of sweat equity involved in where Logan Stanley's at. Um, you know, he's a first round pick, but that's that's a fairly long time ago. And and never mind cat or dog years in NHL years. It's been a long time since 2016. Right. So you understand where they're coming from on that front. And now there have been some glimpses again in the last couple of games. But Huss, we know this for all those guys. It's about consistency. Now, I would say Nate Schmidt has been the most consistent of the bunch, but he's also the longest runway. So. You know, we'll see. The Jets know what they have with Nate Schmidt, Huss. I think you were also talking about this early in the week. So that 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 should be a check mark in the positive box. But it seems to be the Jets are wondering if another, you know, piece of the composition would allow them to do more down the line if they can find, you know, whether that's Declan Chisholm, whether that's Logan Stanley, whether that's Vili Hainala. So Nate is an incredible pro, of course. You know, if he if He's handling the situation well, but here's the thing. If you weren't disappointed about not playing, you wouldn't be in the NHL. You would never have made the NHL as an undrafted player. So he's going to be ready for his next opportunity. I think he will play in one of the games, whether it's against the Ducks or the Sharks, I don't know. But if you're Logan Stanley, you the door is open now. Same as what we said last week about Declan Chisholm. After the door has been opened... Now, are you going to leave it slightly ajar? Will it be slammed in your face or will you kick it down? And, and that's basically where things are at for all three of those defensemen. And it'll be exactly where it's at for Vili Hainala once he gets finished with his time with the Manitoba Moose. Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, it, good problems to have. Uh, a lot of talented players that are looking to uh, you know earn their spot in the lineup, low injuries, a three-game winning streak, and uh, right back up near the top of the Central Division, knocking on the door first place with Dallas and, of course, the division-leading Colorado Avalanche. Um, Weber, I'm glad you had such a wonderful week uh, down there. Back to Thank work you, next man. week you. for you. Uh, we'll uh, look forward to seeing you back in the peg and, of course, uh, follow the Jets. And, by the way, good luck to uh, another. It's been a very festive week and uh, finishing it off strong at TCB with the K&R crew on Sunday night. Yeah, maybe we'll see you down there, Huss. And uh, yeah, glad everyone had great events. I know that I was keeping uh, tabs online uh, about your event and that uh, the Illegal Curve folks had a big event last night. And yeah, we the ticket sales have been fantastic. Uh, we know we're moving to a, the big room show. We used, you know, last year we did our four shows in the small room upstairs, which was nice. It was intimate, but uh, it's a great crowd so far. But certainly room, uh, just like on the Gus bus, there's room for a few more <laughs> folks uh, to hop on if the if you can make it on, on Sunday, that information 
reservations available at Kenny and Rennie, a live show on Eventbrite if you if you uh, search that and search TCB. So I'd uh, love to see a few more folks there. And Huss, uh, maybe we'll see you there Sunday as well, my man. Have a great week ahead. Right on. A Have weekend. an awesome weekend. Uh, travel safe, and uh, we'll catch you back in the peg, Kenny. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. And uh, it was a successful end to the uh, 2023 portion of the uh, Manitoba Golf Tour, uh, four rounds in four days, uh, including a, a tidy 82 at Ken McDonald. So, uh, the Manitoba Golf Tour. This is like when the uh, PGA Tour Canada <laughs> teeing it up in Puerto Rico this weekend. <laughs> exactly. But it was awesome, man. Have a great weekend. Great to see you and uh, take care of my man. Cheers. Thanks, dude. All right, great stuff with Weaver. Uh, don't forget, Jets finish up this road trip with three and four, beginning on Sunday against the uh, Quack Attack, and then back at home to play the Avalanche on Saturday, starting off a four-game homestand with Montreal, Detroit, and Boston. Three original six teams on the week heading into Christmas. Tickets available right now at winnipegjets.com. And, of course, uh, lots of those 48 jerseys moving as well just in time for Christmas. Um, a big thanks to our great partners at Vita Health Fresh Market. What a month we had with that great giveaway with Prairie Naturals for Men's Health Month. Guys, that men's health is important 12 months a year, and Vita Health is the place to help you with great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries. Uh, of course, Prairie Naturals is Canada's number one line of men's health supplements formulated to help the changing needs of a man's body, helping males address the challenges with prostate health, andropause, low libido, low testosterone, stress, male energy, and performance. You can pick them up at Vita Health, and of course, you'll also be supporting a great local company, family-owned and operated since 1936, with Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives, six Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Uh, Wallace and Wallace, you know, they're the fencing experts in town. You've seen their fences and trucks all over the city. They've been the leaders in the industry since 1946. They're also the go-to people for overhead door sales and service in town. As the Clopay dealer in Manitoba. That overhead garage door of yours had lots of ups and downs this summer and fall, but it's about to work a whole lot harder this winter because winter puts much more stress on a garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Call Wallace & Wallace to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know, and that is Wallace & Wallace. And just before we bring in Jeff Feinberg, don't forget F Apparel gift cards would make a great gift for that dude in, the, uh, in your family or circle that... Might be looking to up their menswear game. F Apparel is the leaders in custom men's clothing at great prices, including custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. Make sure to pop down and see them and check out their website to make an appointment or find out more on gift cards for the upcoming holidays. They're at F, that's E-P-H-Apparel.com, and you can pop down and see them at 190 Smith Street downtown. All right, we've talked lots of Jets, and uh, what a great win it was last night. The entire rest of the sporting discourse is around a couple of moves and a potential move involving Shohei Otani. And we love, Leah loves talking golf and football, but I had to get Feinberg to jump on the program today. Jeff Feinberg, you can see him weekly with Pat and Tim on the Mayo Media Network, having some laughs and making picks and much more. 
and I know a card-carrying member of the Blue Jays Nation. Uh, Feinberg, how are you today? Uh, you refresh Twitter once or twice? Yeah, a lot today, Huss. Um, <clears throat> I'll be honest, like a lot of Blue Jays fans, I feel like the trajectory to this moment like, was all kind of very similar for all of us. You sort of heard these rumblings a couple weeks ago, and your initial take, okay, that's great. Like They're just going to come back to us to say they tried. They tried, and then the shills on the networks can say, well, you can't be mad at them. They tried, but we would never be, you know, get to the table. Then we kept staying at the table. We didn't get kicked out of the party. Flying to Florida, taking a look at that state-of-the-art complex they built for a guy who just likes to hide and play baseball, a perfect little place for him. Then things get real, and you know odds – you know, they're, they're no real barometer. That's just a couple guys make a bet that know nothing can move an odd when odds books put these sorts of things out. So we never get too excited. Won't allow ourselves to get excited. And then in the last 36 hours, like there's been a change. We're getting excited. We're allowed to get excited. We're so excited that if it doesn't happen, it's almost like we're going to be such jilted brides after trying so hard to not let ourselves get excited in this moment, but all signs are pointing to what me, might be one of the biggest non-championship Olympic days in Canadian Toronto sports history, Hustler. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, that if this happens, um, it is so far and away the biggest signing transaction uh, the biggest gain in Canadian sports history, the only transaction I can think that would even come close to comparing to it would be the Gretzky trade in 88. And that one was going from Canada to the United States. I mean, it's really hard to wrap your head around the significance of what Otani choosing Toronto and Canada in the landscape of Major League Baseball would mean for the team in the short term, for the team in the long term. And we can't forget who owns the Toronto Blue Jays and why whatever that number is on a contract, if they get it done, is money well spent because of the intangibles that comes with an international superstar all of a sudden becoming the face of baseball north of the border. You sort of put put it all there, Huss. It does make sense in a lot of ways. It feels like a day. I don't Yeah, there's no real there's nothing really to compare it to. Is you know, and we are such. How do you put this? We, we um, we're very fragile sports fans here in Toronto, here here in Canada. Like we always expect the worst, where where no one sort of wants to come here, all that sort of stuff. But so this is just sort of a a real a real trip, I guess. And if Rogers wants to spend the money, let's let him spend the money. And all the the other ways they can make this money back. I'm looking forward to going to a ballpark hustler where the power alleys are have advertisements, and I don't know what they mean. <laughs> I'll learn what they mean, but you know, where we can ditch that TD patch on our sleeve, and it's it's something new and beautiful. I'm ready to celebrate. Like I bought a case of not even Sapporo, some other Japanese uh, uh, beer today. Hus, I know <laughs> I'm a little. I know I'm not in a great focus right now. I'm a little mad at myself. Uh, Remus behind the cameras, like that guy couldn't focus himself better. Uh, I apologize. It's been an exciting day. So I'm like real, I'm fired up and ready to go. Japanese beers on ice. 
Yeah, no, Casa Feinberg. Yeah, no, we are we're fired up. Second night of Hanukkah, like that's what's being served if you want a beer. Like, <laughs> yeah, and happy Hanukkah, by the way. We had a great time with the IC. And boys if this last goes night. if this goes sideways, like I got a trunk full of Japanese beer that I'll drink in sadness, I guess, <laughs> losing football bets on the weekend, Hustler. I mean, either um, way, the beer will get will will get will will get taken down, but yeah, I mean, you can't reach the Blue Jays to get tickets. I agreed about six weeks ago to take 10 games off a friend of mine who just got his grandfather's tickets. And I'm worried today. Like I said, you renege on our deal. Like I'll send my lawyer after. <laughs> it is. Well, I mean, I did see that Ticketmaster's taken all of the Jays home opener tickets off the site. And... And again, there's so much conjecture right now, but I did say someone talked to Ticketmaster. They were preparing for an event that could shut the system down. So take that, <laughs> take that for, for what it is worth. No, um, I heard that they actually won't, you won't be able to buy Jay's tickets until Wednesday. Um, like they are, like it's almost going to be like a playoff on sale almost, Hustler. It's a real trip. Like to think kids grow up maybe with the blue jays being an international brand like that's what's about to happen to happen here everyone talks about the renovations they're building like these brand new beautiful like lower level suites like you i don't know that are the thing to do when you're building new stadiums to get into one of those you'll probably have to sign like a lease that's five years longer than otani's contract yeah i, I today would be a great day to be in the sales department over at Rogers. And, and I, and I made this comparison when we were talking about this a couple days ago, I don't think there's been a day in the last probably decade that I envied anybody that was in charge of selling radio and television, considering where all of that had been going. That's very different of Otani signs. Um, you know that I am the president of the Kikuchi fan club build them a statue give was, them an extension like it's the if, great no that is the great that is the greatest signing in blue jays history hustler that never <laughs> happens otani doesn't have like a great saturday night out on the town in toronto when the angels were in town the last couple summers he's just holed up in his hotel room if if our boy you say isn't and, and we're not even implying those were recruiting missions those were just two friends getting together and whatever's happened there, um, maybe even Otani admiring our commitment to stick by you, uh, you say, when the whole world thought we should just literally send them to the trash. I have no idea. But yeah, that is something. That is, I, I've got a friend, Huss, that has made a re the rumored restaurant in like inner Toronto circles where this 50 person dinner party is happening tonight. I got a buddy who made a reservation for four at eight thirty. There now he could be in a totally wrong, different restaurant, but he seems to think he's got the spot. And so, like this is this is where we're at. And me and my other friends are like, you leave him alone. You don't go near him. Like he likes his privacy. Just leave him alone. Do not scare him. Well, the the entire um, you know run around this. Uh, and yeah, here's the tweet. Yeah, source, you say Kikuchi reserves entire upscale sushi restaurant near Rogers Center for tonight. Reservation made for 50 plus people. Make of it 
what you will. It's Christmas party season, Huss. Like, well, it, somebody, it is. Somebody probably got a call this morning, being like, "Yes, yeah, sorry, we're we got bad news." Yeah, bad news. <laughs> bad news. Uh, Rogers will make it up to you, but this is this is everybody. Like, I'm even of the belief that the Ben Nicholson Smith Shy Davides, their tweets right now, Huss, are so coy. Like, nothing's official. This is a. They are literally, they're not MLB insiders in this moment. They are Rogers employees and they have to do what is for the betterment of everybody. I believe like it is, it is um, all dog whistles got to be put away. Let the leaks come out of the Dodgers camp where, and that makes sense. The team that comes in second place that loses, it makes sense that that's where the leaks are coming from. Their people are whispering, yeah, it's, it's off. And if we're out, then it's pro- it's obviously Toronto. But Shohei would not be flying here for a meet and greet. Like this is to 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 cross the eyes, dot the T's. I've just mixed that up, but I'm and party with Kikuchi tonight. Yeah, big party with with Kikuchi, and it's beautiful. <laughs> the weather here is gorgeous today, Hustler. It's supposed to be ten degrees tomorrow. For all the naysayers, they're probably like, it's too cold there. You don't want to go there. We've it'll be maybe two of the nicest December days in memory as his halo is landing. Uh, it, it is uh, oh, here's the flight tracker. Where are we at now? They are uh it looks like they are just pushing into Wisconsin. You better uh, get over the Midwest, because if he lands in Chicago, we're gonna freak out. <laughs> yeah, well, Chicago's a little more south. I think they are they'd have to go due east right now to get to Chicago. Uh, and again, flight. they it's always say flight. where they're going. I don't think you can just change where you're landing in the middle uh, of a flight just because. This is but like Huss, I've got plenty of Blue Jays hats. But I've got a fanatics, I got a brand new fitted lined up in a cart just because I want it fresh. Like I want that royal blue to pop. <laughs> like I'm going to California in a couple weeks and I want my royal blue to pop. Fresh blue royal blue like fresh new royal blue. Like I don't need a new Blue Jays hat, but why it's like I'm I want it. There's going to be a lot of merch cable, rolling out. I would change cable providers to Rogers if the one that I do use, the other one wasn't like 45 seconds ahead on live sports. Like that's a bridge I just can't I can't <laughs> cross, but I'll make it up. I'll make it up to King Edward Rogers in other ways. I I promise. Huh? Well, the beers might be thirty five a pop next year at the games, but um, people will be happy to happy to buy those and drink them if it means Otani coming uh, coming to the Blue Jays. You know, um, did did you bet this at all? No. Because I never got, I mean, I seen a friend of mine that's got like an 18 to one, I think at score bet. I, he must've just been hopeful at the very beginning. Dude, I got 25 to one a week ago, oh. Monday. What? Yeah. Good for you, Huss. <laughs> it dropped to five to one later on in the afternoon and I gave it out in the lock shop and a whole bunch of people hit it. I oh, think very shortly after that, it's off. See, like once it right. got to the five to one where it was like me yeah. paying attention to it. It was sort of like my Jays fandom is the bet here. Like, I don't need a, you know totally. what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. at that number, my fandom is is what's at stake here. Um, not any of that. It is, it's remarkable. I don't, it's weird to think, like, does Toronto become, I'm like speaking in hyperbole, but 
does it become like an international summer weekend destination just to come watch this guy play baseball? Like that's how special he is, right? You know what? Toronto already has some of that. You know, the the caravan is a big uh, a big attraction for uh, for a number of folks. I mean, a number of the things, but it it, it changes exponentially with Otani here. I mean, you know, we always say that things are like, uh, you know, it's a bilingual country or there's English and French. You're going to see a lot of Japanese around oh, there with the amount over. of people that will come. I Welcome. Mean, come. come yeah. Bring your fly, yeah. Do it uh, all about. Yeah. And like you said, the signage is probably going all the way out, out to um, all the way out to Japan. Huss. It is it is quite the time. And there are reports like as this was happening, that there is a unicorn budget. Like they, they're not just signing Otani and being like, okay, like we're going to just go with what, by all accounts, there is a unicorn budget. That is, if we do sign Otani, like what's the point of signing Otani if we're not going to try to just win the whole damn thing? Now you could argue winning Otani presents them with business things that other than winning the whole damn thing is, is, could be advantageous, but there are reports that this will not, um, like that they will go like I, I imagine they would be very aggressive press yeah so we'll see Huss. i guess the one other thing that you know could put a kink in it i mean there is reports i mean when you're talking about an investment of five six hundred million dollars um you got to make sure of what you're getting and i guess there will be physicals and and, and those sort of things we know that he won't pitch this year um because of his surgery but he'll be able to rake um, and then hopefully get back into the uh, into the rotation, you know, as you know, truly the only player to really do this since Babe Ruth. I mean, it's it, it is pretty stunning. Just, I mean, the fact that we're talking about this in such realistic possibilities and all signs showing that uh, he will be going. You know, uh, before we go, uh, Feinberg, I've got to switch the topic quickly to John Rahm moving to live yesterday. Um, we'd heard all these reports, and I was like, well, I'll believe it when I see it. And then I see him in a Live Golf Letterman jacket on Fox News yesterday talking to Brett Baer. Sounded very different than the guy we've heard talking for the last number of years, especially about how the money wouldn't change him. Um, was this just too much for him to turn down? I mean, what's your reaction to John Rahm ditching the tour for Liv? You sort of knew, Huss. These rumors have been building for a bit. Pardon? Just looking at the jacket. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. Good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The last couple of weeks, the rumors have been building. And we had seen Rom in the past, Huss. Like, he would fight with an account with a thousand followers who said, they, you know, a live bot account saying he was going to live. So based on how we'd seen him act in the past when there were rumors, it almost felt like there is no way, like, this is a for sure. Like, there's no way he's not going. It's kind of really sad. I don't know what to make of it. It's it's a cluster expletive at this point um, in professional golf. And that's so disappointing. You know how much I love it. You know how much you love it. Now they're just begging me to just turn, the te- just turn on CBS at 3 o'clock on Sunday, watch the final nine holes and, and whatever. But, yeah, it, it it's so broken. And other than majors, which should be exciting, Huss, it feels like this fans, you've just got to pick what's important to you. And if that's like, I'm just going to bet, I bet every week, so every week's important to me, that's okay. 
but you've got to just decide like what will make it important like if only tiger playing okay so for me i've drawn that line like if ludwig and victor are playing in the same event then that event is important to me that is where my um line is for 2024 but i'm incredibly disappointed this is a huge deal this is it like this is this is the end I mean it. Like it feels is, like it. It feels it is, feels like it. This and is it, the end. This is it's a niche sport. Now. It's a niche sport. They all grossly overrated their value. John Rom's obviously going to take this money, Huss, because there's no Tiger Woods off the golf course money that like yeah, John Rom make a lot of sponsorship, but this is money that um you know he's gonna do the same job. He gets to make this money, he still gets to play in the majors. I'm not blaming John Rom. But it feels like this is a demarcation point where it's just over. I um, I, I mean, I really sort of feel the same way from a live perspective. And I'll say this: like, obviously, there's issues with where the money comes, but that you could say that about so many other things at this point, especially in the world of sports. There's a lot of things I actually love about live. It's less stuffy. They can wear shorts. Like, it seems like a pretty fun atmosphere for the few people that actually care enough to go out to these events. And I actually do think that there's huge potential in the team concept, but I think it's promoted and marketed terribly. Like, even if you're watching a live event, you'll see their F1-style board of where the players are, like, at the top of the leaderboard. And then you might see a couple times, like, what's happening in the team competition, but they never give you the context. Like, answers leading... Why is his team in fifth? Like, they don't show you the guys that are playing terrible, that are eight over. Um, and then you've got things like, I mean, this this trade yesterday. Taylor Gooch, the number one player for Matt Wolf. Like, make that make sense. But yeah, how, much, just, yeah. how much can this move the needle for Liv? Like, does this change where they're at? Or is this just another big money guy that maybe has a different profile? Is it a different, obviously, a different point in his career than most of the guys when they did make the move? Um, I believe that this, if they're not, they have to be on mainstream TV. Golf is like the six o'clock news to 90% of the people that watch golf. Like my dad, they know it's on Saturday and Sunday, late in the day on NBC and CBS. Like live their events. You don't know when they are. Like, even if they have a schedule that tells you when they're going to play like nine events in a year, they're so random. And when they're happening, people don't know when to tune in. And I love John Rahm. I think he's the best golfer in the world. But you're going to kind of be out of sight, out of mind outside of the majors. That's the one thing the PGA, I guess, has going for it is is the TV slots. You know, I, I just I still thinking about that trade yesterday. And if this was a legitimate sport or a legitimate league, all Range Goat fans would be calling for their GM Bubba Watson to be canned. Yeah, one hundred percent. Although Huss, maybe this just means like Cantley and Xander are coming. Like maybe he's just clearing out his roster to get more guys because that's kind of what it feels like is going to happen. And even in some of Bubba's comments uh, after the fact, I got to go behind the fourth wall with you and your listeners here on Winnipeg Sports Talk because I, I see uh, Hacksaw Hamilton in the waiting room and as a lifelong charger fan that grew up in toronto i would listen to to double x double x 1090 double x 1090.com like on the radio all the time i yearn for the days of uh those good old days 
getting that charger coverage because it's hard to come by these days. Uh, so I don't know. Just seeing Lee's face puts a smile on my face, Hassan. Hacksaw is the best. I mean, yeah. we, uh, we we powered up for a big Friday show to go back to back with uh, two of our favorites here. Um, hey, quickly, how are you feeling about that game? You had the big 6 nothing win in a Foxborough last week. Uh, and I'll tell you what, a win against the Broncos, who are just one game ahead, would make things quite interesting, uh, especially in an s- incredibly wide open race for those three wildcard spots. Yeah, like the fan in me thinks beat the Broncos, beat the Raiders on Thursday. You're seven and seven. You're sort of right back in it. Hustler, the Chargers, they only beat backup quarterbacks. They only, I mean, they beat Kirk Cousins and the Vikings had two goal to go situations with less than like four minutes left in that game, a tipped interception. Other than that, they beat O'Connell, Zach Wilson, Zappy. I'm forgetting someone. That's how sad the season has been for the Chargers. So they only beat backups and depends what you think of Russell Wilson. And that'll sort of make your case on how the Chargers can do. Uh, he's going to be good. Hey, regardless of what happens with the foot, with both of our football teams, I think uh, let's fingers crossed that this gets to the finish line here and uh, the focus can be on Otani and the Blue Jays. Hey, thanks a lot for jumping on today. Always great to have you. And uh, we'll uh, hit you up on the weekend. Uh, Good luck in the game against Denver. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. All the best. (laughs) Right on. Uh, There's Jeff Feinberg at G Feinberg 17 on Twitter, folks. And of course, you can check out Jeff along with Pat Mayo, Tim Anderson on the always entertaining Mayo Media Network. Uh, well, Jeff uh, is correct. The hacksaw is just ready to go. Before we do that, a big thanks to Princess Auto, proud sponsors of WST, and of course the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And with the holiday season here, you might want to get down to Princess Auto and find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Um, Two locations in Winnipeg, Panet Road and Portage Avenue West. And you could always shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. Speaking of the holidays, Royal Sports will be a busy place this weekend and right up to December 25th because, of course, that's where you want to be efficient, gang. Get to Royal and take care of pretty much all of your Christmas shopping for the sports fan in the family. A massive Winnipeg jet selection, bigger than you'll find anywhere else. All the jerseys, all the merch, all the gear, including many exclusives that you won't find anywhere else. In addition to Bombers, NFL, Major League Baseball, maybe a new blue 17 jersey, maybe I might I suggest. Um, international soccer, and of course the biggest hockey selection in town as the hockey superstore for over 40 years. Get ready for the holidays at Royal Sports. 750 Pemina Highway, and make sure to follow them on Instagram for the latest merchandise drops, sale information, and great holiday gift ideas. And hey, as we mentioned right off the top, great night last night with the Illegal Curve crew down at Boston Pizza Taylor. Man, those wings are good. Crushed some wings, had a Boston Brute, a couple beers, um, and the weekend is here right now. We've got the Jets on Sunday night. Um, but, hey, what a great Sunday. You can watch the Cowboys and Eagles on one TV, Jets, Ducks on the other. Uh, when there's sports on, it's on at BP. Pop by your local location today. And, hey, if you are staying at home, you can always get the great taste of Boston pizza by ordering online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's bring in Hacksaw right now. Hacksaw, how about that? One of your longest and biggest fans. Thrilled. Stopped, stopped him in his tracks when he saw Hacksaw enter enter into the room. What's going on? 
okay. Well, you know, Oh Canada, that's great. Hey, speaking of Oh Canada, and I know we'll touch on the NFL, but um, everyone here north of the border is on pins and needles right now with what is going on with Shohei Otani. You, of course, are down in Southern California. The Dodgers have been the favorites to land him from the get-go. What are you hearing, Lee, and uh, what is the mood around SoCal right now considering Otani's reportedly on a plane going to T.O. right now? Hustler, it depends what area code you're in. If you're in area code 213, Dodger Stadium, you're probably really disappointed right now. If you're in 949 Orange County, you're really saddened right now. If you're in, obviously, Toronto, you're going crazy right now. But until they announce it, I just have to hold my breath because there's just so many responses from insiders around Major League Baseball that say, not a done deal yet. Uh, Only time will tell. If he picked Toronto, it's probably got to do a lot with culture and community. Now, obviously, he's controlled every facet of his career. Very private person. Uh, You know, the media out here covering the Angels were really disappointed. They got access to him one time a week, even though he played every day as a DH or when they gave him the ball to pitch on the mound. There's just very limited access to him. Uh, I understand privacy, but I also understand the club needs to market this generational once-in-a-lifetime player, and he didn't really allow that to happen. And a lot of us in the media really disturbed about what transpired in Nashville uh, at the winter baseball meetings because that's really the, the glorious time for baseball fanatics following what's going on with their favorite team because it's a new year. Here's the trade deadline. Here's free agency. Here's the opening of, of all transactions in the hot stove league. And Otani and his agent, nowhere to be found, not allowed to, quote, talk about him. I just kind of think there's an intangible disservice to baseball because baseball needs Otani, and they need the Otani headlines, and they need the flash and all that. So from a media standpoint, I'm just kind of really disappointed that it evolved the way it did. Him going to Toronto, it's unbelievable. I mean, they've got a great batting order. Now, they're a little bit wafer thin in pitching. Obviously, Rogers has decided, the ownership has decided – they're going to go through the roof with the budget and, you know, luxury tax be damned. This will be fascinating. And he will be the Dominion-wide superstar. I mean, outside of Gretzky, all things Canada, Otani has to be right there with Gretzky in terms of interest from Nova Scotia to Vancouver and everywhere in between. So I think you're getting a great player as a DH the first year. We'll see if he's the same pitcher when he comes back for 2025, if it is indeed uh, Toronto. And from the Dodgers standpoint, I'm a little bit stunned because the Dodgers historically hustler have had a great ability in relationship to rehab pitchers coming off surgery and a phenomenal track record of how they dealt with guys who came from the Pacific Rim. You know, whether that's Kenta Maeda, Hunjin Ryu, Hideo Nomo. I mean, it's just been a phenomenal run what they've done internationally with players from over there. I would have thought Otani might have been locked in because there's such a phenomenal Japanese-American population uh, that lives in Los Angeles, and and our Dodger fans would become Dodger fans. But I think he chose culture, and I think he chose community. It's a little bit different in Canada than it would be at Dodger Stadium. I never, ever once thought he wanted to be in the glare of the spotlight in New York. So that's where we are 
at this hour at 1245 West Coast time waiting for the official announcement. You know, Lee, I, I'm, I'm interested in your perspective on how this probably is going over in Rob Manfred's office and the uh, in Major League Baseball. I mean, on one hand, you have a team with a massive market that, you know, will have a huge, huge surge in popularity and really be an international team. At the same time, having Otani leave the United States, I imagine maybe not be what their preference was when uh, this whole thing started. I don't know that that Major League Baseball views it that way. What Major League Baseball should be doing is we missed an opportunity here to market our game at the coolest time of the offseason, the winter baseball meetings. I've been in those lobbies. I've been in those hotels. I've been at all the individual meetings with different general managers in their hotel suites. It's cool. As a talk show host, you'd go crazy. Uh, but we missed this opportunity because the agent did not make himself available. The player has spoken to the media one time. He blew off uh, when he won the MVP award. He blew off the Zoom call, did not meet with anybody. He's not met with anybody. I don't I don't want to say since maybe August. Uh, that's that's too bad. But I don't think baseball says, geez, he's going to Toronto rather than Dodger Stadium or or somewhere else. I think it's good for baseball. And I mean, you tell me you're one of them. You're across the border. This guy now equal, if this happens, is he equal in Dominion-wide popularity to what 99 was up in Edmonton? Well, I, I think that, like, that might be a stretch right off the bat just because of his time. But I will say this. It is by far, it'll be by far the biggest um, Canadian, the biggest signing in Canadian sports history. And the only transaction I think you could possibly compare it to would be the Gretzky trade in 88. And, of course, that was the other way. That was Wayne Gretzky leaving Canada and going to Los Angeles. So in almost a reverse way, this would be the version of the Gretzky move for baseball. And uh, Remus just sent me this. Apparently, Sportsnet, which does the Blue Jays games, which is owned by Rogers, who owns the Blue Jays, have just made a programming change on their whole sports radio station and television. Blair and Barker, the Jays guys, are going to be on at 5 p.m. The change, I'm just reading this, change as of a minute ago. Uh, if you're Rogers and you're signing Shohei tonight, you would want your baseball analyst breaking the story on air. So do with that what you will, Blue Jay fans, right now. Um Lee, but, hey, let me interject one final sure. comment on Otani before we move on to the other topics on the table. Uh, I, I've been on the Angels flagship station and they asked me my perspective because I've been writing about this and covering this for an extended period. And they asked me kind of a unique question. If you were an Angel fan, how would you respond? If I were an Angel fan, I would say thank you. He gave us or he gave them six years of greatness. Generational player we may not ever, ever see again in Major League Baseball. And keep this in mind, he went to Anaheim at a cut-rate price. He took a very different contract in signing with Artie Moreno than the amount of money he could have made when he came here from other places that had offered. So I'm not, you know, I tell Angel fan, don't be bitter, say thank you. It's sad it didn't work. It's sad that they hadn't made the playoffs in so many years, that they, they you know, they, they lost the opportunity with him and it kind of wasted Mike Trout's career. And the franchise has been beset by so many problems, from injuries to player deaths to this most recent drug scandal. But Halo fans should say thank you for what Otani was because he gave them things we'll probably never ever see again. Does Mike Trout stick around in Anaheim after all of this? 
Uh, you know, it's a, that's a really interesting question. But at the end of the season, first uh, of October, he pledged allegiance to the Halos. He says, I have a no trade clause in my contract. I don't want to go anywhere. I want to stay here, which is unique because he's from New Jersey. I mean, could you imagine Mike Trout, center field, city field with the Mets, Mike Trout, Philadelphia? Now he's making mega, mega money, but he said, no, I'm here. So it'll be fascinating to see post-Otani because they're going to have more money to use, how they distribute their money because they surely need players and they surely need good luck. They've had so many problems with injuries and just tragedies and just a lot of bad situations there. So we'll see what tomorrow morning brings. Axel, let's take a quick look at the uh, NFL on the weekend. And I mean, yesterday, first off, crazy game between, I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers had this miracle season where they were winning games in all different ways. They're seven and four back-to-back home losses to the two-win Arizona Cardinals, the two-win New England Patriots. And uh, they don't have Kenny Pickett. Mitch Trubisky was in there. Um, Mike Tomlin was probably up for coach of the year, but, man, have their tides uh, turned over the last little bit. And I'm not even sure Belichick and the Patriots wanted to win that game. But Bailey Zappi, playing for his career, went out there and looked as good as he any quarterback for the Patriots had pretty much at any point this season. Well, in terms of New England, first of all, everybody's unhappy. They're unhappy in Pittsburgh. They're really peeved at Tomlin and the organization. And obviously, they're really unhappy. 3-10 and ten, New England. Mm-hmm. Uh, Belichick, as, as I think I said last week, Belichick, the general manager, has really let Belichick, the coach, down in terms of player personnel acquisitions. You know, and there's, there's another question. Uh, Bailey Zappi, some people are writing in Boston and in, in the columnist there. Why do we have to wait till now to find out how good he could be? Well, it was against the Steelers. Bailey Zappi hasn't played great, great football in the cameo appearances he's made. Uh, so they're really unhappy across the board with everything that Patriot football has become. And in terms of Tomlin, the people are starting to bark. Because Mike's been there, I think, 13 years, has never had a losing season. I think he's a phenomenal job coaching, guiding, and just running the operation. But they've won three playoff games in 13 years. And that included a whole chunk of time with Roethlisberger. So Tomlin's starting to take a lot of heat. But there's no coaching change coming in Pittsburgh because that is not the way the Roonies do business. So, yeah, New England beat Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's got the siege of injuries, especially at quarterbacks. It's just not the same team. It used to be in the Roethlisberg era, but the New England win doesn't mean bleep. By the way, maybe you cost yourself a, a couple of slots in the NFL draft in the first round, too. So, yeah, everybody's unhappy in Pittsburgh and in, in the state of New England. Uh, by the way, gang, marble registration is open. Exclamation mark marbles in the chat. We'll get to that after uh, we finish up with Hacksaw. Um, Lee, one of the, the Monday nighter was incredible. Um, the Bengals coming off the mat without Joe Burrow and beating the Jags and, of course, injuring Trevor Lawrence. The Jaguars are in Cleveland to take on the Browns. Who would have thought that we'd have Joe Flacco playing for Cleveland and maybe C.J. Beathard, although I did see Lawrence going through some motions in practice and potentially trying to go. Um, just thoughts on that Jags Brown situation and should we expect Trevor Lawrence? And if not, what does that mean for Jacksonville? I, I'd be really concerned if they tried to play him at 50% or 70% capacity, because it only takes one bad turn, one hit and re-injures it more seriously. Oh yeah. And Miles yeah, Garrett's on the other side. Yeah, exactly. You know, the big, the big picture 
would be obviously the postseason for the Jaguars. And if you sit Lawrence another week, you sit Lawrence for another week and you give him a week to do more intensive rehab. And he's doing rehab 18 hours a day. I'm not sure that I would play him at this point. Maybe you refine your offense a little bit, even if C.J. Beathard has to be the quarterback. You got Etienne. Now, they they obviously have lost Christian Kirk, which is a significant setback at wide receiver. But, you know, Cleveland's a mess, too, and the Browns, Browns' playoff hopes are in jeopardy. So, yeah, battle of the backup quarterbacks. That'd be something if it's Beathard versus Flacco in a pretty important AFC game. Yeah, no backups in this Chiefs-Bills tilt. Uh, Mahomes and Allen, they've played some classics in the past. Um, a crucial game, really, for both teams. The Chiefs trying to stay in the mix for the number one seed in the AFC, and the Bills trying to just get back into a position where they can make the playoffs. Um, just thoughts on that game, and also this bizarre story that broke yesterday about Sean McDermott. Um Inciting like the nine one one attackers as a grit as a as a well organized group, Lee. I mean that that obviously didn't go well with many people. Well, I found it was really distasteful. You know, I got I got word that something had been written earlier in the morning, and it took me a while to search it out. And I I read it and I found it, and I was really bothered by it. I know coaches hit hot buttons to try to get their players to respond, but for Sean McDermott, an intellectual guy, to use the Saudi hijackers, the 9-11 tragedy, which I think if I mention it, you know, my heart aches. For him to use that as an example of camaraderie and communication and teamwork, that to me is so far off the charts. I, I, I thought it was a ter- terrible thing for him to say. And you now, granted, he apologized, but that story sat out there and finally was uncovered because this, this happened a couple of years ago. Um, I, I think he should be fined. I don't know if the bill should fine him or whether the NFL should fine him for conduct detrimental. I mean, the NFL unloads on players who do weird things in end zones and players that blast referees. Well, this this is different, but this is to me is so distasteful. I just kind of lost a little bit of respect uh, for Sean McDermott uh, on the field. Uh, it's amazing. Buffalo is averaging 383 yards per game. And Buffalo's converting on 49% of the third down plays. And Buffalo is scuffling to be a wild card team. And yet and they've got pretty decent defensive stats in terms of quarterback sacks and takeaways. It just Buffalo is just a weird enigma of a franchise right now. And, you know, in, in terms of where we go with, with Kansas City's got issues, they've turned it over 20 times. They're kind of wasting what's been kind of a banner defensive performance this season with the Chiefs. So I don't think McDermott's fighting for his job, but this is going to turn out to be disappointing. If these guys with all that firepower and all that talent don't make the playoffs, it has to be a totally re-evaluation of how they're operating the franchise. So it'll be fascinating going forward to see. Hey, uh, what do you make of the Sunday nighter? Cowboys and Eagles. I thought the Cowboys should have beat the Eagles at the link earlier this year, but they fell short. They've destroyed all these bad teams. Now they got to play a real good one. Uh, does uh, Dallas get them back on Sunday night? No prisoners taken in this one. Now, Philadelphia's got something to prove. You know, they've run this gauntlet. This this group of games they've played in the last three, four weeks, it has been pretty tough. Maybe it's caught up to them. Uh, I mean, they got mugged. That that body you found in the alley, yeah, that guy was wearing an Eagles shirt last week. They got killed by the 49ers. Uh, but they got Jalen Hurts, and he's got over 3,400 all-purpose yards and 31 touchdowns. and. He's just making so many plays happen. And those two wide receivers are just going crazy 
I think between them, they got 145 receptions and are averaging like 12 yards per catch. So Philadelphia is really vibrant on, on offense. Uh, and in terms of Dallas, Dak is at a resurrection. You know, his quarterback rating is 108. How impressive is that? And CeeDee Lamb is averaging 13 yards per catch. And this is a team that's in rhythm and sync playing well. I'll be intrigued to see whether Mike McCarthy is on the sidelines. You know, he underwent this serious surgery for acute appendectomy, appendicitis. And he just got home yesterday and he's been resting. He's not been at practice that I know of. So I don't know whether or not he'll actually be on the sidelines calling plays or <clears throat> maybe be in the press box, but he, he got sick. And that's, that's a scary thing to have. He was a really sick dog when they rushed him uh, to the hospital. So this could be a great game. There's no doubt about it. Dallas is for real. I mean, they're state free of injury. Offensive line has started virtually every game and, and Dak is having a bounce back season and the receivers, it took them a third of the year in and they finally come around. It's going to be a really, really good game. Uh, I still think San Francisco, Philadelphia are the elite in the NFC. Dallas just might be a half step behind, but the way you play, the day you play, any given Sunday, I guess anything can happen. Hey, Hacksaw, just before we go, we don't talk a lot of college football up here, but I have to ask you about uh, Florida State, 13-0, and undefeated, Power 5 conference champion, on the outside looking in for the Final Four in the college football playoff. How does that make sense? Well, it doesn't accept there were so many good teams when we got to the finish line. Uh, you know, we, we effectively had eight potential teams fighting for four positions. You know, a year from this weekend, Hustler, the 12-team playoff moves in, and we wouldn't have this problem, but because they had only four. But there's no doubt in my mind that, that in all honesty, Florida State's offense had just become anemic because of the, the loss of Travis Jordan. And they got to these postseason with a backup, a third-string freshman quarterback, they would have been in a world of hurt. They almost almost got beat the last two weekends of the season. Their defense obviously saved the day. Awful lot of barking. And then you got Georgia going for number one, getting knocked right out of the college football pool from one dropping all the way down. They had Ohio State there on their periphery. Obviously, you had uh, Alabama uh, pulling off its upset, Texas getting red hot, winning a couple of real key road games. So, it's too bad what happened to Florida State's kids, but they just, at this point in time, they just, I don't think they could compete uh, when we get to this Final Four. It's going to be fun. And you know, the other story, tomorrow night, Saturday night, uh, they release uh, the winner of the Heisman Trophy. And I have a Heisman Trophy ballot, and I'll tell you what, thank God they put erasers on pencil. I just, I had to change my train of thought over the last four weeks of the season. I went from one quarterback to the next quarterback, and then I got into the argument, do I consider the wide receiver from Ohio State who had a mystical season? How do you come to the finish line on this? So it's been a great season in college football here stateside. It's been a bad season. You know, we, I've just gone to the funeral service for the Pac-12 conference as this thing goes away. Uh, and I hate to see it because the Pac-12 had a phenomenal year. It was a year of the quarterback. It was their farewell tour. I hate to see the Oregons and USC's, UCLA's leaving to go to other conferences, but it's been a mystical college football season. Playoffs, playoffs are going to be a doozy. It's too bad it's not a 12-team playoff, but those are the rules we have. A year from tonight, the rules will be different. No doubt about it. Well, Lee, uh, a great conversation as always, hitting a whole bunch of topics, and I know that Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, you might need an extra, it's not just 15 minutes this weekend, maybe 20 or so. Uh, I can't wait to 
read and see what you've got for us once the Otani news is uh, final, wherever he does end up, and obviously all that NFL stuff, but let people know where they can find not only the award-winning website, but uh, all of your dalliances on Instagram and YouTube with uh, the Hacksaw Pod. Well, if you like sports, you're in Winnipeg, you're in Western Canada, uh, just go to my website and you know log in. It's free. And you'll get alerts every time we put something on my website. I write every day on all sports. Uh, yes, you're right. I am bleeping brilliant. Uh, but the, that my podcast has been a little bit on hiatus because I had eye surgery and my co-host was traveling and we had connectivity problems. We hope to get our podcast back up online in the middle of next week and get back to a normal schedule. But LeeHacksawHamilton.com. You can access all the stuff I wrote and check it every day and subscribe to get the alerts. And by the way, before I go out the door, uh, full disclosure, because I've said a lot of things and I've won some outfits that you didn't like. So I'm just letting you know I'm putting this on credit. There it goes. The WST hoodie. Perfect segue into marbles. Someone wants to win one of those, Lee. I was. It was in the closet. I said I got to wear this because I. I know next time I show up, I wear. If I wear something Maple Leaf or Edmonton Oiler, you won't be real happy. So I got some credit for what I did today. Yeah, you will definitely, and you got that nice Jets one as well. And uh, Jets are hot, three in a row, and heading out to California as well. You see him on Saturday night at the Duck Pond. Uh, thanks for everything, Lee. As always. Have a great sports weekend. Thanks, Hustler. Talk to you again. You bet. All right. Uh, great stuff from Hacksaw. Looks like everyone's ready for marbles. And oh, I see Surveyor, Brett, and Big Euchre here as well. Some of the EST crew love it. Guys, if you haven't already, exclamation mark marbles in the chat. You're going to see how we do it, how we kick off, how we end the week on Winnipeg Sports Talk with the world-famous marble race. Great to see you all there. Great to see everyone with us. Wow, we're over 500 right now. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't. And like Surveyor, Brett did, if you haven't already, Hit the boys with the sub. Just hit the subscribe button completely free. And if you're not able to join us live, the latest Winnipeg Sports Talk content will be in your YouTube feed when you do log on. All right, just before we get to quick cool bet lines in the marble race, big thanks to our great partners and friends at Little Brown Jug. The holiday party was a big hit. Had a great time on Wednesday night. Got a chance to try a whole bunch of uh, those delicious Little Brown Jug beers. And this is a great time to get into the tap room ahead of the holidays because they've got a great deal right now where you get a mix and match of any of their 12, uh, 12 cans. And with the purchase of 12 beers, you get a $15 gift card to enjoy in the tap room. So take advantage of that. The holidays are here. Make it Winnipeg's favorite local beer, Little Brown Jug, down on William Avenue. And, of course, you can pick up Little Brown Jug wherever they sell great beer. You can check out all that great merchandise down at LBJ as well. And uh, also a big thanks to DQ Nick. Great to see him on Wednesday night. Appreciated all those delicious dilly bars and buster bars you brought by for everyone at the end of the night. Um, the holidays are here. Why not Get a DQ ice cream cake for your next uh, your next gathering. Hit them up on Insta at DQ um, at DQ Manitoba. Send a picture. Get it customized however you want uh, for a quick and easy pickup at either DQ Northgate or DQ Polo Park. And don't forget they've also got the Pita Pit out in Niverville now with great catering options. If you're in Niverville, pop by for a Pita. And if you do want catering, they'll deliver it citywide as well. They're on X and Instagram at Pita Pit 
Niverville. Uh, all right, let's get Remo back in here. And uh, Reem, great stuff from Feinberg and Hacksaw. And a huge show with all the excitement over the Jets, as well as the uh, Otani watch as we uh, track this flight all the way to Toronto. Yeah, so many people in chat here today. We had, uh, I think we got close to 600. We got over 500 for the majority. So this is so awesome. And see the excitement, yeah, for the Jets win. Big win against Colorado, but also uh, Shohei Otani watch uh, going wild. And uh, Any updates while I was yes, talking to Saw? So, so this is actually the biggest update here. And I don't know why, what Sportsnet is doing with their uh, programming on TV and radio, but they announced that... Uh, Real Kuiper and Bourne with Nick Kiprios and uh, Justin Bourne, they're getting booted off TV uh, and radio for Blair and Barker, a special Otani watch edition. So this is what they tweet. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why they felt they needed to uh, change their programming. So at four o'clock central, uh, Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker are going to have a special Otani watch at four p.m. on Sportsnet. Well, uh, they uh, they're gonna have a lot of viewers, I think, today. I will be uh, doing it. Um, and uh, yeah, Morosi uh, has been on it. They said he's on his way to Toronto. Deal's not signed, um, but I guess it might be hard to sign a contract on a plane. So that might be what's <laughs> happening tonight. <laughs> so is, just, is that his thinking. plane? We had the plane. Um, uh, <clears throat> I was watching it over here. Oh, here's the plane. Uh, there it is. You, Chaz, thanks for being a supporter of yeah. WST, buddy. Right on. Loyal lock shopper as well, Big Uke. Couple, yeah, we got a couple new memberships here. Big Uke, Tristan Rivers Music, Joey Panku, FRNDC. And More people packs. are asking, I guess if you're in the chat, like, why are people's names green? You know, $2 a month, you support the channel, you get your name in green. You get a microphone that tells everyone you're a supporter. And you also get exclusive emotes. There was a lot of people putting the saw emote for the hacksaw hack emote. Absolutely. <laughs> for hacksaw. So here's the plane, Hus. It's it's close to Toronto, man. It's pretty close. So it's scheduled to land at uh, 3.30 central time. And I think you might have been one of those individuals that was watching the lock shop when I dropped that 25 to 1 two Mondays ago. There's going to be a lot of happy lock shoppers if this does come come to fruition today. And as I said, I will be spending it on an Otani jersey and a Kikuchi jersey. Do not forget about Kikuchi's role in all of this if we do get to the finish line. All right. Um, last call for marbles, everybody. Exclamation mark marbles. If you uh, haven't already been able to get in, um, let's uh, let's do a quick look at the cool bet lines. We uh, chopped it up today. We did talk a lot of Otani. But we did get our picks in. For the week in the NFL, um, I think our partner parlay, which I don't believe is up just yet, is going to be the Rams plus seven and a half at Baltimore. We're going to tease the Lions to two and a half. So Detroit minus two and a half at Chicago. And we're taking the Bengals on the money line. So that'll be probably in the plus 530 to 550 range, depending on the boost. So you can check that out in the exclusives. I love the Bengals this week. I think I'm going to take the Browns. And as I thought, this number is going to come down with the possibility that Trevor Lawrence will play. I'm still going to ride with Joe Flacco in that Cleveland defense. I like the Jets. Oh, and the Jets is now up to plus four and a half. We'll definitely take it. Um, but the big games, Chiefs, 
just a one-point favorite against the Buffalo Bills, minus 112 on the money line, Bills minus 104, and uh, the other big matchup, Sunday Night Football, Dallas Cowboys, three-and-a-half-point favorites over the Philadelphia Eagles, one minus 192 on the money line and plus 162 for the Eagles. NBA in-season tournament final is on Saturday night. Pacers and the Lakers, L.A., four-point favorites. That is a neutral site game at the uh, home of the Vegas Golden Knights, T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. Again, if you haven't played a cool bet before, use the promo code WST when you're making your first deposit. Hook you up with a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on that first deposit. And you can check out today's Lock Shop at the Edmonton Sports Talk YouTube channel and subscribe to Lock Shop wherever you get your favorite pods. All right, Reem, I'm pumped for the Edmonton guys to be able to see our uh, our Marbles theme song and uh, and the festivities that are going. Did you did you work on a good course for today? I went through, yeah, let me launch the game. I went through, I picked, uh, people were saying I should pick a plane theme because we're following this plane, but oh. I picked a winter theme or a holiday because uh, a lot of holiday parties, we had ours. We went to the Illegal Curve uh, gathering at Boston Pizza. Kenny and Rennie have theirs Sunday. It's a festive time of of season, so I'm going with a, uh, a winter, not slippery slopes, which we did. Was that last week, or was that that was for the Linden jersey? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, slippery slopes we did for the Linden jersey. Um, all right. Well, hey, for everyone that's new that hasn't seen this before, before we do marbles, one of our great supporters and a guy we saw the last couple nights, the one and only Tristan Rivers, music has put together the incredible Marbles theme song. Now, he did multiple versions last year for the Marbles Tournament of Champions. And I always like when Remus plays one of them. I never know what we're going to get. But it is time to uh, get ready for Marbles. And that means Tristan Rivers music first on WST. Let's fire it up. The original Marble Race song. Love it. Great to see Tristan over the last couple nights as well. All right. Rima's going to get that set up. Rick Fair uh, with a great uh, chat. Uh, FYI, Jeff Blair is a high school buddy from Morden. Hustler Jeff got me hooked on the Raiders way back then. Hate the Chiefs probably as much as you hate the Raiders. (laughs) Hey, that is the rivalry. There's no doubt. Raider week. That's what I get for Christmas this year, Rick. The Raiders at Arrowhead. I'm looking forward to that one. Although, uh, you know, they actually looked a lot better after uh, they uh, kicked McDaniel's to the curb and hired uh, hired Antonio uh, uh, Antonio Pierce. Um, there you have it. Here's John Morosi from three o'clock. Show Hey Otani is en route to Toronto today. 
A representative of his agency, CAA, would not comment when asked about Otani's travel plans. At this hour, Otani does not have a signed agreement with any MLB team, uh, but he's on the way to Toronto. We've been following the plane, and uh, hopefully we'll find out something a little later on. And Jeff Blair, who Rick was just mentioning, going to be on with a special edition of uh, Blair and Barker talking Blue Jays. Hmm, I wonder why they're doing that. All right, Remo, let's fire it up. Big marble race, almost 500 in the chat. People are fired up. Yeah, we got 260 entries. I'm just copying and pasting them in. And yeah, we played the original marble race theme, and I forgot how good it is. I had to take my headphones and shove them into my ears more so I could hear that yeah, sweet uh, guitar. Crank to, yeah, crank that guitar. So, uh, that was pretty awesome. I actually had a great conversation with Tristan about his guitar collection uh, yesterday, but I'm loading the names in, 260 names. It seems like a really, uh, really big number. Okay, we're giving Otani a marble. Okay. And we have to give Kikuchi a marble too. Yeah. For his role in bringing this all together. Sure. Uh, anybody else? Nino, you know what? Nino Con- gets one. Nino, Nino, Nino for his contract. Yeah. And Heli for his 250th win. And Willie Jefferson because uh, he was. Willie Jefferson, well. absolutely, for, uh, for the new contract. All right, we'll throw five more in today. So it'll be one of the biggest marble races ever. When we're, when we're over 250, that is a big one. Are you rocking a, a soul patch, by the way? No, I just haven't shaved. And this oh. is where this is like the pattern <laughs> that it comes in. So yeah, I haven't shaved. I haven't shaved. That's just it comes in thicker there. But I'm looking at myself. Yeah, I guess. I guess oh, I you know what? Am. It's your boy Bruce. It's your boy Bruce. We got to give Christine Sinclair oh. one too. Okay, fine, fine. I'll throw one in for Christine. That's the last one. Here, done deal. So, I wish I, I wish I had the patience for that, but it gets too itchy. So uh, I don't. <laughs> I think I can go a week without shaving, and then I'm like racing home to uh, shave. <laughs> no, I hear that. All right, uh, buckle up and uh, es tears. Get ready to have some fun. If you put in exclamation mark marbles, everybody's got a marble. That beautiful WST hoodie that Hacksaw was wearing. We've got one for the winner of today's race. Um, so, yeah, so this is, what did you say? This is a, a holiday-themed one? It's called Snowy Flowing Holiday. Woo. All yeah. right. New Do track. Wanna, new track. New track. I load it up here. I'll put you on the screen. Uh, one, one second. Derek Schmidt, I was told Rima he would look good with a soul patch last week. I did say that. And did you? Lishka, yes, Remus could pull off the soul patch. I, uh, People I are just telling me it looks good, so they get me to do it. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Snowy flowing holiday. Here we go, folks. A big, big crew in for the marble race today. So uh, this is how it works for you newcomers. Got to be subscribed to win, so make sure you hit that subscribe button and give us a thumbs up while you're at it. Oh, 281. Nice, nice, nice. Let's get that to 300. Um, everyone's in. We started off. The first marble into the bin is the winner, and uh, we'll hook that winner up with a WST hoodie courtesy for you, of our pals uh, that did him up over at Shipman Associates. All right. Otani's in. Kikuchi, Christine Sinclair, Willie J, Hellebuck, Nino, 
And all of you, may the best marble win. Drop them, Remo, and let's roll. New track here. The Snowy Flowing Holiday. Julian LaBoss here and Gene Okerlund with a great start. Mean Gene looking good. Oh, and Julian just got popped. Mr. Hammerdance. Okay, Bardo and Julian. Oh, wait a second. Josh Conway. Yeah, there's a jump here coming up. I guess Josh just got ahead of everyone. Josh got blown out. We thought he was going to be done, and now he's there. Okay, Mean Gene. Oh, this is wild. Okay, Josh Conway is still in first place. Mean Gene's catching up a little bit. Alex Howe, Noxie. You, Chaz, in the top 10 right now. Wouldn't that be something? A win in his debut. A uh, few people getting thrown over the top rope. Sorry about that. Kitty Pup right now looking like uh, they're in first. Josh still looking good. We see Travis there. But, yeah, there's Kitty Pup, Josh Conway, and Alex Howe on the uh, bottom part. Travis, Peg City Dude, Ross Ransby, and all caps Kyle in the mix as well. Shorten's got some catching up to do. All right, so Kitty Pup looks like first. Oh, Stephen Klassen just got thrown over the top rope. Kitty Pup in the mix right now. This is a good one. There's another, there's a couple big jumps here. So this is leading into uh, another big jump coming up. Excellent, excellent. It's always fun. Uh, Daryl and Curtis just got top roped. What do we got here? Jeff Bowes, bye-bye. Uh, Josh Conway, Michael Smith the third, Kitty Pup, all in the mix right now. And here we go for another big jump. Kitty Pup's first across. This is our group, Michael Smith. JGJC. Uh, JGJC, oh, all right. Michael Smith just hit an obstacle there and fell. And got bounced. All right. Well, Kitty Pup 1000. Looks like they're still in first place. Couple more casualties. Winnipeg Chaster. Oh, Ross over the top rope. No, Kabilis oh. as well. Dunk Dynasty. Bye-bye. Uchaz is gone. Uchaz. Oh, you, well, you got to finish. Kitty Pup slowing down a little bit. There's a lot going on. Oh, there's Mark. Mark, uh, a loyal lock shopper. All caps, Kyle, bounced. Sega, Sir Maga. Is this the end right here, Reem? No, they go to another. Oh, wait, is that the end? Oh, I think it is, actually. Is it Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? Yeah, this is the end. Sorry. Nino Niederreiter. Could it be Nino? <laughs> Nino. Nino Niederreiter. <laughs> Nino won. New contract. Big game win last night. And now his week just gets better as the winner of the marble race today. Man, an absolute, absolute who's who on the top 10 board today. Nino Niederreiter, Mark, and listen, I'm pumped for Mark. Mark, you're second, so if you don't, I don't think you have one yet. We'll hook you up with one, but we'll still also try and get Nino one. Uh, Mitch WHT, the Godfather himself, Sega Sermaga, fifth place, Sean Reynolds, brooding pessimism, Bullish Bradley in sixth, Chris Wolgamuth, Dark Moon, Candace Jane, Candace, nice top ten. 
and then Sea Leader. And there it is, spelt wrong, but you know who it is. Nino yeah. Niederreiter. El Nino. He's turning, he's turning everything around. Yeah, the Remo Soul Patch emoji. I'm with you on that. Everyone that a, is fired up for, for Nino. That's awesome. That was a keyboard <laughs> malfunction. I know how to spell his how to spell his name. I don't know why that second E isn't there. Just want to just want to clarify. Absolutely. Well, congratulations to Nino. Congratulations to the Jets for winning three in a row. It's kind of sucks that we got to wait all the way till Sunday night for this game. Would have been nicer if there was just sort of like every second night. But we'll be on Otani watch this evening. Um, Saturday. Check out another Mooser on the road. And then uh, a big Sunday. Chiefs, Bills at 325. Cowboys, Eagles, 720. Jets, Ducks, 7 o'clock. And, of course, the uh, K&R gathering down at TCB. Um, huge show today, dude, to uh, finish off a big week. Yeah. Wow. This has been a fun week. Seems like everything we got something. We have Movember uh, with the big final day of donations coming in. Uh, Raising money for the Christmas cheer board as well. We got to tally that up at our from our holiday party. Raffled off some great prizes, and then uh, the Jets. You know they were on a losing streak last week. We were kind of down, and oh, people want to see the whole. Look. And uh, they were kind of down, and this week a new a new winning streak, three in a row. So a lot of excitement, and yes, Otani watch. Apparently, we're not the only show bringing up the uh, flight log. Uh, I think Overdrive guys yeah. said in chat they got it on too. You you just said that the plane. Speaking of jets, the plane has crossed into Canadian airspace. Oh my God. Um, here's the list if you want to see where you went. You say Kikuchi. He had a nice. He had a nice race. <clears throat> just roll him down. You can go back afterwards on the YouTube and see exactly where you went up. <laughs> Mercedes Benz downtown Calgary. How how did they come into into Chad? Welcome. Shout out Mercedes Benz downtown Calgary. Love it. Scott Westman. There's Mary Jane. Mary Jane, great to see you on Wednesday. Thanks again for coming out. Surveyor Brett finished. He got what uh, one nineteen. Yeah, he did. I see Mary Jane was there. Tracy O. Rob Pepper. Uh, a lot of. Uh... A lot of regulars tied for Tanny. So, yeah, this is awesome. Those oh, Connor Hellbuck, 135. Greg M., who's won a couple times, 138. Uh, Brad Batters. There's Zach Wynn. I know yeah. Zach is one of the biggest Jays fans around. He is losing his mind right now. I can pretty much guarantee you of that. Bravo, Brian, Willie J., 150, 152. There's Phyllis. The Bozeman. Bozeman comes in with not one of his more impressive performances, but Ross got top rope, so I believe that's a win for Sean. They might be now 1919 or 2020 for their head-to-head matchup over the entire season. Uh, there's Retro Winnipeg. What's up, Jay? Great to see you last night as well, the last couple of nights. Keeper going down. Jet Oil Tom. Another great supporter of uh, all of the uh, local Winnipeg shows. And right down, down, T-Kona Polly. Hey, he got across the finish line. May have took a little bit of time, but it was uh, <clears throat> was last. Hopefully, uh, T-Kona Polly's coming off the IR soon. We missed you on thir- on Wednesday. Oh, um, Great kay. show, everybody. We have some <coughs> Shohei news. <coughs> I believe okay. people are saying a press conference is at 5 o'clock uh, our time. I got to find, that's my brother just texting me while I'm on the show. I trust Ah, him. Okay. 
Hold on. I saw other people tweeting it, but I want to get a the actual source of, of this. <laughs> this is, I just got a text from my pal Dom, who is a uh, big time, big time Jays fan. And uh, he said he sent something ready for whichever direction Shohei Watch goes this evening. And there's a bottle of Dalwini, a real high end liquor, beside a bottle of Drano Max Gel. So depending on what happens, one of those bottles is going to be consumed tonight. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if Adam Seaborn is is reporting this. He seems to be the first one, but I I trust him from uh, Daily Seaborn. Seaborn's got some good. Yeah, so he's so got he, some very good intel. So he <laughs> says press conferences at yes six Eastern, so five. Uh, so Adam Seaborn pu- putting putting that out there. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Well. We'll buckle up. We'll have lots to talk about next week. Uh, and, man, it sure has made for a really fun show today. Um, thanks to Hacksaw. Great stuff with Feinberg. Ken Weave. And, again, we ran out of flight, so we had to talk to him a little earlier. And that's why he wanted so badly to get into all the Shohei news. But we were afraid that it would already be dated by the time we played it an hour and a half later. So Ken had to hold off. But we'll talk about it next week with Kenny as well. Um, huge thanks to all the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Um, it was a great week for the Jets, and it sounds like it's going to be an even better start to the weekend for Blue Jays fans with a press conference reportedly for 5 p.m. Winnipeg time. And hmm, that's kind of when Blair and Barker were on. It all seems to be making sense right now, folks. Uh, one of the biggest, well, the biggest signing in Canadian sports history on the verge of happening by all accounts with Shohei Otani on his way to Toronto and in Canadian airspace right now. Um, needless to say, we'll have lots to talk about on Monday, uh, including Jets and Ducks and a day off before back-to-back games Tuesday and Wednesday out on the West Coast with the Sharks and the Los Angeles Kings. In the meantime, though, have a great Friday and an awesome weekend And we will see you Monday, 1 p.m., right after the lock shop here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Later, everybody. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.